Hello. I just wanted to say a few words before you kindly let episode 50 into your ears. Uh, we tried to record this episode quite a few weeks ago and were plagued by technical difficulties where we had to give up and reschedule it for the next week, which we did. This is the episode that you're going to hear in a few minutes. Uh, unfortunately, we were plagued by even more technical issues. Uh, the microphone that I'm using now to record this refused to work. Um, Ramrod was having all sorts of difficulties with his headset and his internet connection. Tina's connection kept dropping out. So you'll hear her just disappear briefly and then come back in. I think the only one that worked properly was Chris, out of the four of us. Uh, I wanted to put this at the beginning of the episode because, especially if you're a new listener, I don't want you dipping into this and going, holy shit, their audio's awful. Uh, if you're a long-time listener, you know the audio's pretty good normally. And because we'd already cancelled and then we did this, we didn't want to do it all for a third time. So I do apologise for the sound issues. It does get better as uh, the episode goes on, so please stick with it. Uh, but since this has been recorded, Tina, Chris and Ramrod have recorded the spotlight on Event Horizon. Luckily, everything went well with that. So fingers crossed from now on, the technical difficulties will be sorted, but who knows with Skype. Anyway, thanks for listening. I do apologise again. Stick with it. It does get better. And all is back to normal in the next episode. And with that, cue the music. Hello and thank you for listening to an historic episode 50 of 60 Minutes With and the entertainment show for May 2016, which means in the blue corner is the man who since the last episode is known to the women worldwide quite simply as the Squirtinator. Oh. It's Chris. <laughs> Hello. Hello, you fast-fingered fucker, you. <laughs> 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 oh, what can I say? You know, I, I've got a technique. It works well, as well. We heard last episode. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, easy now, easy at the back. <laughs> and we'll just leave that there for a second. In the blue corner is the man who will just next week be solely responsible for the increase in sales in Polish beer because he will be cheering on Wales in their first appearance in a major football tournament for 58 years. Mm. It's Ramrod. Good evening. In his dungeon. <laughs> in his dungeon, we should yeah, have. Yeah, echoey dungeon. Listen, listen to everybody listening. I can't hear what you can hear. Just know I've spent £65,000 on equipment in getting this up to scratch, and it's not good enough in the year 2016. What the fuck? Anyway, Wales are going to be in the fucking Euro finals next week. I've booked time off work for this shit. <laughs> I can't drink Polish beer anymore because it sends me up a wall. Remember, we were over that Polish beer phase because I was going to murder someone. <laughs> I swear to God, I was going to murder someone. I had to stop drinking it. But I had to stop. But 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 you know if if you do hear an echo from Ramrod it is you know it's your fault for buying a bloody you know the the castle that you bought with the dungeon in it and your insistence on recording in it. This is the second time I've recorded from Ramrod Mansion. 
Ramron Towers was a, a lofty experience and we could get a good signal there, but we're, we're in the thick medieval walls of this place I'm in now. So I'm apologising now to if I'm good. So I shout my way through this. Yes, let's all hear you loud and clear. Because okay. we've already had one aborted attempt at recording this episode. So we will carry on with you in your dungeon. Okay, and, and for a change on the entertainment shows, because it is episode 50, in the pink fluffy corner, no Fuck doubt... Fuck that shit! <laughs> ...putting sequins on it and painting it all sorts of colours, is the woman <laughs> who, just the other week, added yet another, another name to her celebrity males I've snogged list, is Tina. Hello. <laughs> he had such soft lips. Who was it? Oh. It was... Uh, it was Tony Bellew, um, the new, yeah, <laughs> the boxer. The new WBC cruiserweight champion. Cruiserweight, I was going to say, me- medium weight. Medium weight. <laughs> <laughs> cruiserweight champion. That's just looking at him like a piece of meat, like medium just, rare, well that's done. exactly what he was, just a piece of meat for me to use and cast aside. As well you did. I was did. Really that Scouse in real life, though? Because when I watched him in Creed, I was like, fucking hell, he's really Scouse. Is he acting Scouse? Oh, no, he's really Scouse. He's even more Scouse than Scouse. He's a, he's he a lo- massive Evertonian, isn't he? He is. Yeah. He looks... Oh, we he? commented, though, didn't we? He looks so different in real life. Yeah. When you see him in the film or on TV, I think he's one of those people that just isn't photogenic. Because he looks, you know, he looks like a... An, good-looking young lad but when you see him in the flesh he's really good-looking and really young but when you see him on telly or in the film you think oh maybe he's about 38 and he's he's about 30 isn't he Dave? Uh, 33. Yeah he's he's young but he's really handsome but it doesn't come across across on screen. He's a big lad isn't he? Oh he's massive. He's a big lad. What's What's his reach Dave? It's it's well yeah they could really he managed to reach around me that's for sure. Well, very fucking big. <laughs> but no, he's an Everton Everton fan give you a reach around that's generous of him. But people have said haven't they after watching Creed oh he doesn't look like a boxer and you know like Adonis Creed was ripped and he would have like wasted him easily but you know after the fight that we watched the other weekend he's got a punch on him oh. <laughs> he can take people down yeah yeah, yeah I, I think I've uh, read a review of it and he admits himself he's the fattest thin man because yeah. he, he doesn't look like a typical boxer does he particularly you know but he like you said he can hit hard that's for sure oh yeah <laughs> right what we're gonna do because it, again you know it's episode 50 it's a special episode we're gonna start with a little game <gasps> oh. Yay! because we're all all four of us are on so we're gonna start with a little a little game of pawn the game oh. with my sister <laughs> yes <laughs> Oh, says he, trying to sound surprised, who's, you know, lives in a Welsh village. Anyway. (laughs) 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 Moving on. If I will put a link up. Me and Chris played this. um, Oh, I don't know what episode it was, but I'll put a link because the Pawn the Game did put it up on YouTube. So you can listen to Chris counting dirtily up to number 20. Um but we're go- we're going to do a few different things with this. We're going to. I've got. Two- oh God! I've got two cards for us to play, and we'll go around all four of us. But to begin with, for people that didn't listen to that episode, pawn the game. Follow them uh, on Twitter at pawn the game. It's a really easy to play card game. 
uh, with the added bonus that if you want to have a drink of your favourite tipple, you can do that at the same time, but you don't have to. You can just play it as a normal card game. There's only three rules to remember, so I'll go through them again. The first one, three or more players start with four cards each. The rest are set aside to draw from when instructed. Rule two, while reading out loud, take turns playing a card uh, and do as it says. Rule three, the first to get rid of the cards wins. That's it. Easy, easy to play. So these look like playing cards, the same core, uh, size as you know normal playing cards, uh, called different game, uh, different names, um, with pawn pictures on them, sort of retro grindhouse pawn pictures of them, and the instructions. So tonight, Chris, Ramrod, oh. and Tina, we are going to play the two cards. I'm going to start with a card that's called Hypno. Okay, hey. it's quite an. In- an innocent picture on it for a change for pawn the game. Um, so the rules are, and we'll change it a little bit because we're doing a podcast and we're not all sat together drinking. It says in red, so this is, you know, if we were sat in the same room drinking together, everyone pours a shot and waits for your command. Have we all got a drink of any description? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. I've got tea. Oh, I've got coffee. <laughs> this this, this will do. This yeah. will do. Anyway, I'll start it off. Starting with... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't feel well. Oh, it might be a bit rude. I'm right. scared. <laughs> Starting with never have I ever say a simple statement. Anyone who has ever done whatever you say must take a drink along with a card from the deck. So I will start with and then ask you in turn if you have or haven't. Right. Never have I ever had anything up my arse. Chris. If you agree with that, if you agree with it, if you have never had anything up your arse, you're going to take a, a, a sip of your drink. Are you drinking right now, Chris? Uh, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm... <laughs> Chris, oh, uh, you're not drinking, Chris. Okay, we'll move on. Uh, no, I am, I am, I am. Um, but I was just taking. I was just thinking. What I've def- I've not had anything sort of phallic up my ass. Does a finger count? Of course it does. Anything that up your ass, even anything. if it's my anything, it's a jelly baby, anything. <laughs> okay, okay I'm taking a drink now. So you are taking a drink. Mm-hmm. So, so nothing, not even a finger has gone up there. Where, oh no! Oh, I'm, I'm, confu- I'm confused. I'm confused. Um, oh, even what? Well, even a little bit? Just, e- even happen- just to the first knuckle <laughs> count. <laughs> Whose finger was it? Yeah. Well, my own. It may be more than one. Put your own finger up your ass. <laughs> men have got to check the prostate. No, men have got to check the prostate. It's important. That's Not that, that far up. <laughs> so how the hell do you stick your finger right up your ass? I never said I stuck it. Your ass. I never stuck it right up, but um, you, you know, you well, I, I don't know what to say. You, you, you just this fucking hell. This is going to go on YouTube. I can, I can <laughs> the scene you lying on your mum's bed, flicking through a catalogue, oh. and you think, oh, oh, that looks like a nice bra that my mummy wouldn't wear. Oh. <laughs> I just get my my widgie out of my pants. Where's Mummy's hand cream? Oh, there, there it is. This is hand cream. Oh, the, I, can I just remind I just you, Tina? The card, the yeah. card doesn't ask for this much detail. I was going to say. All he's going to do is say if he's taking a drink or not. 
that. <laughs> Even though you are painting a very vivid picture. <laughs> no, I haven't taken a drink. I've never had anything at my house. Oh, yeah. oh. Rammers, over to you. <laughs> of course I fucking Ramrod, have, have you moved out of your dungeon into like the lower reaches of Ramrod Castle now? No, why can't you hear me? <laughs> I'm gonna. What I'm gonna do? I'm gonna do. I'm gonna finish this round. Then we're gonna call you back because you sound like you've like you've dropped into the moat outside the castle. Jesus Christ. And you're slowly sinking. <laughs> right. Oh, Hold on. Oh, and then you've come back again. It could be it could be your Wi-Fi, mate. Oh, God, not the Wi-Fi. There you go. Oh, there you're you back. Go. You're back. Well done. You're sounding clear. Nice one. Don't move. Hooray. Don't move. Stay still. Okay. Take still... your finger out your ass. Yes. <laughs> I was fingering myself. <laughs> the excitement was too much. I've had loads of things up my ass. I, I've, in, I've invited things up my ass and had things forced up my ass when I've been <laughs> drunk. All by a woman, may I add. So it's all above board as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm, I'm like Tuck Pendleton from Inner Space. <laughs> <laughs> have to explore as long as there's alcohol available. Oh. I was going to say, actually, does it count if I've put something up, somebody, up somebody's arse? No, it, it's... Uh... <laughs> 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 well, in the spirit of the game, I guess I could give you a bonus point for that. I've um, on a drunken night out. I'm not going to reveal who it was, but um, we went out and it was a it was a stag do, and uh, I was we were pissed. We went back to my mate's house and I wanted him to make me some beans on toast, and he wasn't doing it because he was fucking hammered. So he was just lying on the bed, and in my drunken state, I thought it would be funny and it would get him to it would motivate him to do it by <laughs> stripping him naked. <laughs> All for beans on toast. Was, that's all I wanted was beans on toast. If he did a lot, he wouldn't have. I wouldn't have stripped him naked, and then. What? <laughs> don't please don't say you ran the tin of beans up his ass. This is raping. This is raping. <laughs> We're going to have crime watch onto us for God's sake. And, and then um, he um, he sort of like turned over. So and there was a bottle of <laughs> there was a bottle of pop or something on the uh, on the side. Oh, so. I got this bottle and, oh, I, no. and I placed it up his arse. Not not right up. Oh, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> was it one of those one and a half litre bottles? But, and then the thing is, right, because this is sort of like back in the early days before iPhones and stuff like that. So I got, I had got like a phone that had got a camera on it, but then I proceeded to take pictures of him for the next, what, probably half an hour and laughing my head off. And I couldn't, I was laughing that much. I couldn't hold the, hold the phone straight. <laughs> <laughs> Which hand were you wanking with, though? <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> oh, Wouldn't it have just been easier to make your own beans on toast instead of stripping him naked and then posing him and then... Probably. Sodomising him. Yeah, yeah sodomising him <laughs> with a bottle. Where's the fun in that, you know? That's true. <laughs> I think I've still got those photos somewhere. Oh, let's have a look. He's bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody is rushing to the website for the podcast notes now, hoping those photographs will be on there. (laughs) That was a good day. I'm glad we... uh, Not for him. Really, exactly, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I bet he breaks out in a cold sweat whenever he sees beans on toast now. (laughs) 
Oh, I think it was a bottle of Lucas Aid, if I remember right. <laughs> oh, oh That's quite a big bottle back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice, nice and wide, like big girth, <laughs> nice girth on oh. it. <laughs> Tina, me on a bit. Tina, that, that's obviously your next. <laughs> this is, until Ram, Ramrod closes his ears. Yeah, go, uh, I think it's time you locked yourself in, in the downstairs coal shed, David, <laughs> while I answer this. Throw yeah. up, okay? Yeah. Why? Did yeah, he well, just say throw up? Yeah, well, it's, you know, remember, it's it's your own bottom. Nobody else yeah. is. Okay. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was supposed to have a drink, am I? Or... Well, well, yeah, if nothing's ever gone up your bum, you can have a drink. Well, and then it's my uh, turn. I've run out of tea then. <laughs> <laughs> Shall I carry on? Shall, shall we just leave it there? I think you should probably skirt over my bottom and what I used to do when I lived in Mexico. Okay, then. I'll move on. <laughs> like, I can honestly say with, with 100% confidence that I've had um, by far the biggest thing of all three of you combined at my bottom. Ooh. Oh, please don't tell them that story. <laughs> oh, please don't tell Oh, yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had it, it was a camera though. It wasn't one of those BBC cameras. It wasn't like something like massive. But yeah, um in a in a hospital, a camera going up your bum. So far up that you can feel it in your insides. Ooh, yeah, what nice. about what about the prostate dildo that you really like as well? Oh yeah, but no, that's like an everyday thing. I'm on about something yeah. un- unusual that's only ever happened once. Do you remember when it snapped off inside you? Oh, the 999 call that happened yeah. afterwards, yeah. That was really bad. I That's actually you... know the guy that stuck it up your ass, and I'm on speaking terms with him, and we always laugh about it. Well, well tell him. <laughs> tell him he's a rough fucker. He could have been a bit more gentle with me. He took his glove off like uh, the gynecologist in the hand that rocks the cradle. <laughs> so he could really feel you out, Dave. Thank you. <laughs> and he, he didn't use lube. He just spat on his fingers, he said. <laughs> he's got the longest fingers, then, that I've ever known. He must be E.T. or something. Yeah, a friend of mine... Was is a nurse in A and E, uh, and we always used to joke about, you know, have you had somebody in with something up their ass today? And this one time, she was years ago. She told us that they had a, um, the local vicar in, and he had to have, have an operation because they couldn't get this thing that he'd rammed up his bum out without the operation because it was so far up. Oh. So when the surgeon removed the the enormous orange. <laughs> from his rectum one of the nurses said to him because he's a you know he's a vicar i think he's retired now so why did you put this you know because they people would say oh i i was walking and i fell on it and it Mm -hmm. went straight up my ass that sort of thing and he said his answer was i've been a very naughty boy (laughs) (laughs) so brilliant been a very naughty boy well, well, I used to be that, creepy. Fucking hell. I used to not be... as creepy as you raping your friend with a fucking <laughs> 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 Shit. Oh, I, I was a very naughty boy that night as well. Bloody sounds, were, yeah, bloody sounds like you were. But yeah, I used, I used to be friends with a radiologist and he was there and he took, you know, off x-rays of everybody and he used to tell me so many stories of things that were stuck up people's bums. Um, the main one being there was a big cat. I forget the name of what was that famous hairspray back in the sort of the 
Elnet. Elnet. You know, the big can of Elnet? Yeah. Somebody had got that stuck up their arse. <gasps> um, and then there was another guy who was admitted to A&E. He'd got a chair leg stuck up his bum, still attached to the chair. Mm-hmm. And he, he'd given the old thing, oh, yeah, um, like my trousers fell down as I went to sit down and the chair knocked over and, and the chair leg went up my bum. So, mm. yeah. Anyway, okay. before this becomes the anal 50th birthday podcast, let's move on to card number two. Which is a bit of, bit of a... Are you going to make Chris shit now? Well, it is called... <laughs> this card is called Ass to Mouth. Ooh, oh, fuck. I, my favourite. <laughs> oh! <laughs> so, we're going to take it in turn. Once again, Chris, you can go first. Um, you have, because the, the rules are, if you can make anyone laugh within the next 30 seconds... They'll have to chug a beer, take a card from the deck. So you've got 30 seconds, and he says, looking at his watch, to make any of us laugh, beginning... Oh, I've not got seconds on my fucking watch. So, we'll guess. You've got about 30 seconds to make anyone laugh, beginning now. What's this got to do with ass to mouth? Well, I, I don't know. Is it funny? <laughs> does, does it only take 30 seconds? I don't know. Um, well, okay, something that I found funny the other day, I d- didn't know what scat meant. Um, now, I don't, have, you, have you guys heard about what scat is? There you go. There you go. You bastard. I don't know what it means. What is it? Oh. Okay, the only reason I mentioned Scat is because we were talking about a game called Night Trap. And the, the, the team that are sent out to, to sort out this problem, whatever, are called the Sega Control Attack Team, or short for Scat. So every time, I, like, I didn't know what Scat meant. So the guys um, on the podcast told me about it. And then so I thought, oh, I'll type that into Google Images. And that was my <laughs> biggest fucking mistake ever, I think. Um, the, the most horrible image I think I've ever seen was a picture of a man with shat in his mouth. <laughs> it's not good. Oh. It's fucking horrible. And, and why anybody would be interested in that kind of thing. So I think scat, yeah, there you go. That's... Well, that works. <laughs> <laughs> not good. I've, I, I've seen one, one of the ones that keeps on cropping up whenever you type it in, is this, it's obviously German, and it's a priest with a nun in a graveyard at night. And um, he's got, he's like giving her all the rights and all this. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, praying hands. And then he like bends over and drops his kecks and she forces it into his ass. And he's like giving her all this religious stuff in German. And he just shits in her mouth. <laughs> and it's like a hot, it's like a Mr. Whippy coming out of him. It's brilliant. It's like hypnotic where you can't stop watching it because you can't stop shitting. I just don't get it. Why? What is? Why do people are interested in chatting in mouths and chatting on each other? I know it's I'm, not a sexy thing. I just watch it like out of fucking curiosity. Yeah, I mean, sticking bottles at people's asses. That's that's all right, yeah, you know. Yeah. That's fine. But so chatting <laughs> on chatting on somebody. That's that's yeah. just not not good. Um, and oh, well, two girls, one cup. You've probably all heard of that. Oh, I hadn't, oh, yeah. and that's fucking horrific. <laughs> I have to say. Um, Oh, God, yeah. Just thinking it's about it, It's the puking in that that fucks me over. Oh. When they start throwing up the poo in each other's mouths, you go, whoa, hang on a minute. It's Where are nasty. we now? It's not good. Not good. But anyway, I won because Tina uh, yeah. laughed. And I think Dave did a you bit as well. I did. Well, actually, while we're on the subject of scat, can you both of you just take a quick look at Tina's profile picture on Skype? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there it is. Does that count? And I'm claiming that as my 30 seconds. <laughs> 
Oh, fucking scatty Obviously, it's a visual <laughs> gag. So for everybody listening, I'll uh, I'll put a picture of it on the podcast notes. And just think of scat while you look at it. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. You're welcome. We know that's not chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> right, Ramrod, go on. Thirty seconds. I'm going to make some all laughing. Any of seconds. us, any of us laughing. Thirty seconds. All right, then I'm going to tell you about the first time I ever gave myself oral pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> now, Dave laughed straight away. You might know this story, but um, when you're a young boy, you kind of discover new and exciting ways of, like, making yourself feel funny downstairs, don't you? So. <laughs> I, I, Tina, I'm sorry. I'm just saying I'm sorry. <laughs> a lot of people know this story that are very close to me, but that aren't in my family. So um, you're going to hear this shit. Anyway, um, I used to have a lot of Star Wars toys when I was a child, and one of them specifically I was fond of was the Rancor monster from Return of the Jedi. Now, the Rancor... <laughs> Stop laughing. The, the Rancor monster had a mechanism on him, a very crude mechanism. This was like 1980, whenever it was, the toy came out. 1984, the toy came out. Bear in mind, I was four, five years old then, so this didn't happen until I was about 11 or 12. But the Rancor monster's crude um, feature was a little latch on his back. You could move up and down, and it moved his mouth open and <laughs> Closed, open and closed. So can you kind of see what's going to happen next? Yes. I wonder, anyway. I wonder what went into the Rancor's mouth. I fucked his <laughs> mouth. <laughs> Real good. Oh, uh, no, that just, Rancor. I'm looking at a picture of this toy. Fucking hell. You uh, gave that toy to Wesley. <laughs> Wesley probably did the scene. Listen, I fucked his mouth. And <laughs> I didn't ejaculate into my rancor monster, which is all, which is good, obviously, because I didn't, because you could clean the inside of him. Could you? I wasn't going to break him open like a fucking pinata to clean my fucking teenage sperm out of the inside of him. I didn't. I thought maybe I could get him pregnant, so I didn't. That's the first uh, sort of uh, blowjob I ever had. There you go. That, you laughed. Good. That's good. I like that one. Yeah. Sorry, Tina. Yeah. It's all right. I'm telling mum. Tim mum knows. Mum knows. Yeah, she probably does know him, mum. Mum knows. <laughs> I didn't stick Jabba the Hutt up my ass tail end either. Because <laughs> he had a wiggly tail and I didn't. Yeah. Oh, you missed out on an opportunity oh, there, yeah. David. Health and safety. I know. Health and safety. I used to wick it because he was smaller. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> And go on to finish this round then. <laughs> Tina, you have 30 seconds to make any of us laugh. Oh my God. Uh, okay, so I'm quite a bit older than my brother and sister. I was 15 when David was born. Uh, and my mum used to make me look after my brother and sister a lot. And, uh, you know, being a lovely person, I didn't mind. I used to like spending time with them. But David... Mr. Ramrod was so annoying. All he oh, used God. to do is go, Tina, watch me, Tina, 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 all the t- 
time. He just wanted to be watched all the time. And this one day, As he fucked a rancor in the mouth. Just so yeah, exactly. He was he was upstairs, and you could hear him going, "Tina, Tina, Tina." And I was like, "Oh, just shut up, David." I don't know where my mum was, and Jenny was downstairs playing, and I could hear David rolling about and going, "Pew, pew, pew, do, do." And then this amazing crash happened. And Jenny and me ran upstairs to find David had fallen between two beds. And all we could see were his two legs sticking up in the air. That's not true. (laughs) It's true. It is true. true. What I didn't know was that he obviously had been wanking into the rancor's mouth. (laughs) So that's just that's just mental. That's no, terrible. it is. It's a true story. That is, yeah. But I didn't know about the masturbation aspect of. It. And now you but, know. Yeah. And there you mm. go. And this this is why you should buy Pawn the Game, <laughs> because you you end up Pawn with e- evenings like this and stories told you like this. So there. It's if if ever that was you know a a plus reason to buy it. I don't know what is. Who won the game? Or me? I won the game. I th- well, yeah, I think. I, I think, think Dave won it. No, I think I think Rammer's won it. I think the Rancor won. I think the, the Rancor's. The Rancor's got to be the top story. I think As we just fucking paced over Chris's rape story. That <laughs> <laughs> never happened. I, I had uh, I played the music to Deliverance in the background as well while I was doing it. <laughs> no. Okay. Squeal. Squeal, piggy. Squeal. Squeal. Right, shall we actually get on to talking about some sort of entertainment over the last month? Well, I've so... been entertained over the last 20 minutes, well, I don't know yeah. everybody else. Hopefully everybody else has, but I know <laughs> I'm going to start this because we, we have a lady on with us tonight. Do um, we? Yeah, apparently. Yes. I'm going to start it. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're still looking at that scat picture, remember. So I know um, we're going to start it for uh, a change, Tina, because... I'm pretty sure there's some music uh, entertainment you want to talk about. <laughs> and one album in particular. Uh, yeah, well, it's a bit of a show off on my part, really. And I think probably it shouldn't be me that talks about it, but rather you and and David, because I'm totally biased. But um, this week, my son, Wesley, uh, his second album came out. Um, the first album he had was with his old band. They were called Climates. Uh, long story, lots of heartache and shit that went on for nearly two years. But things are going really well for Wes. And he's got a new band now. He joined a band called Napoleon. And um, as I said, their album came out and went to number one. Uh, in the iTunes metal charts, which was really amazing. And uh, they've had brilliant reviews for it. And at the moment, Wesley's travelling across Europe touring. But uh, as I said, I'm not going to go on about him. You can talk about him for a bit because I'm just like, I haven't got anything awful to say. So and I just I just sound like a puffed up mum. So. Well, I'm going to hand it over because Ramrod yeah. is our resident music um, guy. Well, I, I'm sure, with with no disrespect to you, Chris, but he, I think, all, as far as like finger on the pulse of new stuff, mm. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, look, this album's come out, and like Napoleon were already an established like metalcore band, metalcore, if you will. If you're my, uh, like, oh, each, I think uh, you need to start that again. That you totally a godalking. Going to call back, call him back, Dave. Yeah. yeah. Hold on. We'll t- we'll take a break. Actually. Ooh, I was going to say let's play Napoleon, but I don't know if we could or not. But we'll take a break. I will insert something in here. I've got to do a bloody edit now. Oh. I never gone. Yo, you you're dropping out so much. I'm going to call you back. I'm going to call you back because that sometimes fixes okay. it. Okay, hold on. Back okay. in a minute. Back in a minute. Napoleon's new album's come out um, called Newborn Mind um, on Basic Records. Um, Basic are behind um, new bands such as Baroness, who've got really high acclaim. Um, this sort of like a prog metal band. But th- this is one of these up-and-coming labels that's championing modern music that, I, I hate to say it, but the kids are digging do you know what I mean? So metalcore is what they fall under. If you take it back to, say, Fear Factory in the early 90s, um, Fear Factory did a lot of songs on like Mortal Kombat soundtrack, etc. But what they do is they mix hardcore metal, screamy vocals with melodic vocals and melodic instrumentals as well. And it's like a subgenre of heavy metal. If you say to me heavy metal, I'll say, you know, Pantera you know, as something really bone-crunchingly heavy. But what Napoleon do is they'll mix sort of like almost technical, they call it mathcore. Stop me if I'm getting ahead of you here with all these <laughs> subgenres of heavy metal. Um, mathcore's basically um, bands like OPEF, who are like technical death metal bands, where they will be very heavy and the music will be very intricate. It's musicians' metal, if you will. Uh-huh. But what Wesley's brought to the band is heart and soul and um, it's a beautiful beautiful thing that's come together they are so heavy napoleon but they've got the the heart of uh, joy division within them uh, in wesley's lyrics um the reception it's got is absolutely monstrous i knew it was going to be a huge deal when this album came out on the scene and the the tour is proving now the footage that's out there and the love they're getting online you know in mainland europe metal music has always been more at home hasn't it yeah you know, that, it is, yeah very know, true that the germans and the italians and that and you know they, they eat it up over there but this sort of challenging music normally i mean i remember back in the chat you know god forbid i'm 36 and i remember the lofty days when you know pantera's vonga display of power came out at number one in the fucking album charts overall, and I'm not just talking the heavy metal charts, I'm talking when Madonna was selling records. Those days you don't really see anymore when, you know, like you say, Kiss had an album out or Pearl Jam had an album out, Nirvana had their stuff out. Now this scene is coming back around again. Um, hopefully it's going to be a huge catalyst for this band now to soar and get headlining, you know, 
gigs everywhere. They're mm. currently in Stuttgart in Germany, I think. Um, there's footage on YouTube of them, especially check out footage from Medina in Italy, which is really professionally shot, and they are fucking brilliant. Um, there's a shift coming in music, I think, and this album is playing a big part in it. There's a couple of bands, or an Architects or another one, and um, Beartooth or another one, which are heavy, heavy metal, but they've got a lot of heart and soul in them, and uh, people are relating to it. It's a, it's a great time, and it's so great that, like, my nephew is like at the, in the center of the typhoon. Do you know what I mean? It's um, it's good, but yeah, yeah. Heavy metals, fuck it, ain't what it used to be. Shit is changing, um, and you've got to fucking you, you know you've got. There's a lot to keep up with these days. Even I struggle to keep up with it. There's so many new bands, but yeah, Napoleon is kicking ass. Buy the album. It's out there. It's out on basic records. You can it on vinyl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was it's just I was just being posted. It's ridiculous, but yeah. Well, one thing yeah, I, will, they are, they... I will say, though, about um, just about Wesley himself, you know, because he, he lives with, with me and Dave, is that for the since he was 15, he's wanted to be a musician and he's he works um, in Starbucks in Chester. He gets up, he never skives off work. He gets up really early every morning and works on a job where he, he's on his feet all day and gets loads of shit off customers just to earn money so he can go off on tour and feed himself. When he comes home, he'll have no money. Even though their album got to number one in the charts, he'll still have no money. And I think a lot of people think that his life is very glamorous when in fact, I think it was the night before last he played a he played a gig in France and uh, he ended up playing to 10 people and then slept on the floor of a kebab shop across the road wow. <laughs> so he works really hard and he the band really deserves some success and I just really hope that they get you know get some money from it and who's that typing? <laughs> it's because he owes you rent money that's why you work <laughs> I said to him, Wesley, when you make it, you buy your mama a lovely villa in Lake Garda, Italy, okay? And he went, what, why are you talking to that accent, mum? <laughs> you're the truth of it now. Takes fucking good money off this. We will never see him again. No, that'd be okay with me, though, just as long as he was happy. Yes. There. So that's my show off. <laughs> my son, the good rock show. star. Yes. Oh, you must be so proud of him. I That's... am proud, and and he deserves it because he fair dues to him. You know, he's a pain in the ass, and he washes up in cold water and leaves a mess everywhere. And I could kill him most of the time, but I am really, really proud of him. And he's done it all off his own back. Mm. He's uh, not a, afraid. Here's a question: What what's the difference in washing up in cold water or hot water? Other than your hands get cold while you do Well, if you wash up in hot water with washing up liquid, it melts all the grease and all the shit, doesn't it? And also right. hot water is more, it's it's proven to be more clean, isn't it? Like if you wash your hands after you've done a poo in cold water, more germs go off your hands if you use hot water. That's if, I read wa- somewhere that's if you wash your hands after you've done a poo. I hope you do wash your hands knowing what how anally interested you are mr jellyman <laughs> yes but remember this is someone who only discovered scat 
just the other week. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't know what it was. I didn't know, but this is the thing. I drive my wife mad uh, because I'll put stuff in the bowl with hot water and then I'll just let it soak for an hour and then I'll go and wash it because it's so like you said yeah. it gets rid of all the crap doesn't it so but yeah, yeah. she's like we'll do it there and then and I'm like but it'll be easier because I'm leaving it you know yeah. idle my- bastard <laughs> <laughs> at least you wash up Dave doesn't oh you lying oh, sod oh. hey don't start this shit now oh this is it this is and thank you for listening to episode 50 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, I I'm gonna kick this off. Right, I want to get a, um, I want to get some movie talk out of the way. I want to start it with uh, Ramrod. You nailed it uh, the other episode when you talked about Ten Cloverfield Lane. We've watched it since, uh, and yes. what, when you were talking about like John Goodman. Uh, Chris, have you managed to watch this yet? I haven't watched it yet. Okay, but right. I, I I will watch it at some point in the near future. No no spoilers, but like yeah, John Goodman, what a oh evil bastard, untrustworthy. You don't know. And again, you were saying Ramrod, one of the main points that you made when you were talking about it was, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know where it's going to end. A lot of the movies that no. you watch, you know, it, it it's like it just puts all these signposts in. You know, this is going to happen next. This is how it's going to end. Uh, we've got no idea. And loved it, yeah, loved it. And I know it's it's had a little bit of flat going. Oh, this it's just set mostly in this one place, and there's you know there's not a lot of monsters in it, and there's not a lot of action in it. But for the you know like the pure narrative of it and it involving you as a viewer, loved it, absolutely loved it. So yeah, good call good. on that one, mate. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's it, it may have slipped under the radar, even though it had like a huge hype when it came out. I don't know anybody that saw it. Yeah, that's the trouble. I think it has gone under a lot of people's radars, hasn't it? But yeah, if you get the chance, watch it. You won't be disappointed. Good story. Good story. And again, John Goodman. Twat. Evil twat. Or, actually, or this is the thing, though. Or is he? Because you're like this going through. You think, oh, he's a bastard. And then you're going, oh, no, he's not. He's really nice. And then something happens and you're going, no, he is a bastard. And then you start doubting yourself all the way through it, which is, you know, one of the main things that I loved about it. Uh, also watched the you know the sequel to Olympus Has Fallen. Watched London Has Fallen. Ooh, mm. <laughs> this is shit. It is. Oh <laughs> god, it's awful. It's got. I mean, Olympus Has Fallen. It is a bit of a cliche to say it's one of those turn you know turn your brain off mindless action, but fun because Olympus Has Fallen is so much fun to watch. Um, Jared Butler's like amazing in it. London Has Fallen. Obviously, it was made because Olympus has fallen, made money. It's got atrocious CG in it, really bad CG in it. And even though there's there's a couple of decent set pieces in it, it didn't hold our attention like Olympus Olympus has fallen, did it, at all? No, no. No. I ended up um, twiddling. On the computer, I was so yeah. bored. Yeah, that's a bad sign, isn't it? When you're watching yeah. something, and couldn't, you just start couldn't tell twiddling. you what happened in it. Yeah, I was just. Has it got ter- the violence of the first one? No, it's yeah, so, sort of, but it was more. It was sort of wisecracking. You know, let's play a game of fuck off. You go first. That was classic, the best one ever. isn't it? None of that in it though. It mm. was humorless, and the CG was so bad. It was glaringly bad. It was like this is shit. Yeah, it was really bad. Mm. Yeah, I'm just I'm just looking now. Obviously, Olympus Has Fallen was directed by Anthony Fuqua. 
mm. who, who is just, he can do no wrong in my eyes. He's going to do the new Magnificent Seven, isn't he? But this yeah. was directed by Babak Najafi. So don't <laughs> believe that there. That well-known director. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that well-known director of such such films as um, Sebe. <laughs> really? Remember that one? Sebe, oh, who, Sebe? Who can forget that? And he also directed um, Pablo's Birthday and Gosta and Lenart. Oh, what a film that was, though. <laughs> <laughs> how that missed out on the How Oscars? the fuck did he get that gig? I could have directed Londoners for when it would have been mint. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's from Iran. Of course, he is. Well, there you go. Fucking hell! I'm yeah. going to watch it though, just because Jerry's in it. Well, that's the thing. If you've watched Olympus Has Fallen and enjoyed it, which I'm sure most people did, you've got to watch this one, haven't you? You've got yeah. to. But yeah, just drink heavily before and during would be my advice. Um, as would probably be the same with Hardcore Henry. Really? Oh. Now people. People, well, long-time listeners to this Nate's Picture House will know that I've not watched trailers for, like, years. If I know I'm going to watch it, I'll avoid the trailer. So Hardcore Henry came up on my radar. I didn't know a thing about it. This is one of the few movies where I watched the trailer <laughs> for it because I didn't know a thing about it. Do I want to watch it? Do I not? Watch the trailer. It looked amazing. Yeah, I need to yeah, watch it this. Does. Oh, it looked incredible. Put it on, and it's one of those cases where... Watch the trailer and you've seen all the best bits because the rest of it is just cack. It's so disjointed. Um, it, it didn't engage me whatsoever. It was... No, I just didn't like it. I mean, granted, on the plus side, if you like your violence, there were, well, I'd say, two, three, four occasions where you go, holy shit, that was good. As a bit of violence happened, there's a couple of things that happen, but you see it in the trailer where you go, whoa, how did they film that? The rest of it, couldn't give a shit about. Really mm. couldn't give a shit about it. Yeah, Charlotte really Copley was good in it. He was good in it, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I liked him in it, but it what it it was another one of those films where because I tend to Dave watches so many shit films that Why? I start twiddling. <laughs> yeah, you do, Dave. Don't write. You know it's true. I sort of twiddle on the computer or read a book or whatever. And it's I did actually sit and watch Hardcore Henry because I'd seen the trailer and thought, this looks really different. And um, the guy who did Night Watch and Day Watch was associated with it. I don't, I don't know if he just presented it. I thought he directed it, but it turned out he didn't. I think his mate did. And it was like his, he... Yeah, his plumber yeah. did. Yeah, he yeah. just sort of was in it somewhere. But um, I, so I thought I really liked Day Watch and Night Watch, the two Russian films about sort of vampires. And uh, yeah, it was just, I don't know, it, considering it was it was nonstop and some of the action scenes, particularly towards the end to do with Charlotte Copley as well, were very, uh, there's a lot of park, parkour in it. Yeah. Isn't there? Yeah. But it was, but it was... Um, it, I don't know. I, w I wouldn't say it was really awful, like London has fallen. I probably would give it. I probably would give it a six out of ten. Hmm. Yeah, I thought it was better than London has fallen. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Did it make you feel ill at all? Because yes, I've heard some people it say it, it, it's uh, you know because it's been in first person all the time. Yeah. People get motion sickness with it or stuff like that. You know. 
when Wes was little, he used to play Spyro the Dragon and I couldn't watch him play it because it would give me motion sickness. And there's a couple of bits in this film where they're falling the full length of a tower block that I was a bit like, oh, what? I can't look at this. And on tops of cars and things because it is first person. Seeing it in the cinema... If you're a bit prone to motion sickness, you would have had a bad time watching it. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah. With no escape as well, yeah. 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 Mm. He, uh, t- is it Timur Bek... Bermakov? Bermakov? Bekmambatov. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. slaughter his name. He did uh, Wanted as well with James McAvoy and Angelina Jolie. And I really like that film. Yeah. Uh, that film. Yeah, it's quality. Mm-hmm. Mm. The loom stuff's a bit weird, but... <laughs> But the the violence and stuff, bending bullets, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, I've got. To, I'm going to finish off with two 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 documentaries. Of course, I've got to talk about documentaries. Um, the first one, Bill Cunningham, New York, uh, made in uh, 2010. Brilliant documentary about a quite famous photographer, fashion photographer called Bill Cunningham. Obviously, lives in New York, um, and it's it's one of those feel good documentaries uh about life he doesn't give a shit about money uh it's all about his art what he loves doing he lives in this apartment where he's got a shared bathroom and this is a guy who's actively got like celebs coming to him and wanting him to take the photograph uh he wanders around the streets of new york there's a couple of scenes actually that do look a bit dodgy uh sort of jimmy savile-esque in a couple of places where you see this old <laughs> old guy with a camera and he's taking pictures of like women walking past wearing short skirts and that uh but he goes to these like fashion shows and so on and he, he puts it brilliantly in one scene where he goes it's it's not about the celebrity it's it's about the clothing it's about the fabric it's about the texture it's about the art and it, it it's about watching somebody who loves what they do so much that they they don't care about you know the the money that he could earn from it you know he could be living in a mansion somewhere and have no worries financially in the world this is a guy who i think he's in his 80s now if i remember rightly late 70s at least he cycles around new york he's on his 29th bike because the previous 28 have been stolen while he's been like riding around and taking photographs uh, and it's one of those you don't even really need to be into into photography or you know fashion design or anything it's one of those that you watch and it just sort of it gives you that warm glow about humanity and you think yeah, I wish there was more people like him in the world. So I would definitely recommend uh, Bill Cunningham, New York. Uh, the second one as well, Michael Moore documentary from last year, called <clears throat> Where to Invade Next. And is we he talk- still, he's still, he's still uh, fucking moaning, is he? Well, this is the thing. <laughs> well, no, I, <laughs> yeah. I mentioned this to you, Tina, didn't I, when we watched it? The thing you've got to keep in mind when you watch a Michael Moore documentary is the fact that he doesn't sit on the fence. He picks a subject that he wants to talk about and he goes, this is my view about it, with total disregard for the other side of the fence. Mm. Yeah. And you really, you've got to keep that in mind whenever you watch any of his documentaries because it's just his point of view. Um, but his point of view is quite interesting in this mm. uh, because he goes to he goes to various countries across the world outside of the US picking up on how different it is um, to America. So this example, I think it's like a school in France and he goes like um, school lunches 
and you know the school lunch is like in France about 90 minutes long and it's four or five courses and it's all homemade um, and it's made cheaper than the lunches that the, the kids in America have and he's showing these kids in France and he goes oh well, this, this is what kids in America have for lunch and it's like pig slop that's been mm. like poured into bowls yeah. and they're going what they eat that that's terrible and then he goes to um, Italy and goes to a factory and talks to the people and he's got the workers there and he's got the management there from this factory as well and they're going about how they have like two hour lunch and they'll finish early and they get like a minimum of uh, seven weeks a year holiday and they have months maternity and paternity leave and then and then he's saying what this is incredible you know you've got to work for like years in america before you even have you know, like two weeks off a year is like huge uh and the management though in this in this firm in italy are going no you get more from your workers if you treat them like human beings give them two hours for lunch let them finish early let them have a couple of months off in the year give them this give them that because when they work they work like fuck for you you know they'll do anything that they want for you um and he goes like i said it's he does cherry pick because i'm sure like in france and in italy the two examples that i've just given this shit stuff that goes on there but he totally oh, yeah. he, he totally ignores all that side of it he just cherry picks the best bit but it does sort of highlight the differences throughout the world of what's going on and that is really interesting but yeah just keep in mind that it is his point of view, uh, but it it's enjoyable and it, I, I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, it was it was really good, wasn't it? I thought it was quite life affirming, really. It was, yeah. In fact, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, I think uh, if you're yeah. gonna wa- yeah, if you're gonna watch two documentaries actually that would make you feel good, watch Bill Cunningham New York and then follow it up with Where to Invade Next, and yeah, they're both really good feel good documentaries. Which concludes my movie talk. So, uh, ooh, Tina, then go on over to you. Any movie talk? Do you want TV or movies first? Movies. We'll get onto TV later. Movies oh, first. Okay. Movies first. Okay. Well, I've only got one film really to talk about, and it's one that we started watching a couple of nights ago. And then, because Dave has to go to bed really early, he went to bed, and I really, really wanted to see the end of it. So I ended up watching it by myself. Uh, and it's a film that I know that Ramrod has watched, and it's The Witch. Hmm. I will. Hmm. I well. I hmm. I'll take a guess here, and I bet you fucking think it's one of the best horror films you've ever seen in your life. Because I know you, and I know when you've watched it, that's what you would have thought of it. I think it's a really. I wouldn't say it was one of the best horror films I've ever seen in my life, but I really loved it. I thought you would. I really, really loved it. Uh, do you Can know you anything me- about it? This is yeah. I've heard it. My friend saw it and he said it was really. He creeped him out a lot. And yeah. uh, this is with your bezzy mate yeah. Kate Dickey, isn't it? <laughs> my <laughs> bezzy mate Kate Dickey. Yeah, yeah. She is my bezzy mate as well. Yeah. Um. It's it's about a family of uh, and of course I think that um. Yeah, well, it's about a family of Puritans who leave the UK in the early 17th century. So it'd be sort of maybe 1630. uh, And they've got five kids and they sail from Britain to America. One of the, you know, like on the Mayflower or whatever, um, because that's how, how America was first populated. 
And all these people that went over from Britain, they weren't convicts like they were in Australia. They were very, very religious people um, that were being persecuted in this country for being too religious. So they went to find a new Eden and ended up sailing to America and starting up communities there. So this family is so religious <clears throat> the father has a row with one of the elders and he takes his family off into the woods because they're not religious enough for him um, and they end up living in the woods. Uh, and for me to sort of go through what happens would totally spoil the film, but um, I think calling it a horror film probably is a bit of a stretch because when I think of horror films... I think of films like The Changeling or The Exorcist. And this is more eerie than scary for me. Um, but it's, if you like art, uh, I don't know if, well, I think David will know who I'm talking about. It was like a moving Francisco Goya painting. Mm. And Goya's really famous for he's a Spanish painter again from from the seventeenth century, who painted witches, and I don't know if Dave can put a picture up of one of the witches that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it's just the most beautiful film to watch. That has the, the great thing about it. It's got a beginning, a middle, and a busting end. It's a cracking film. But I don't know if I would call it a horror film. What did you think of it, David? Um, well, the thing is, the way they advertise horror films these days, mm. they uh, and you've got to remember, like the majority of people that go to the cinema to watch films are not cinephiles, I yeah. guess. Yeah. And they are going primarily on what they've been told. Mm. Now, The Witch was advertised as the most terrifying horror film. Now, that yeah. was The Babadook. Let's yeah. get that right. That yeah. was... Yeah, that was a terrifying psychological horror movie. This was more of a period piece with, you know, like you say, it had a, a, a menacing, ominous tone to it. And I, I, I really liked it, but I wanted it to be more of what I was told it was going to be. And if I would have gone in thinking it was an indie art house period piece about a certain period in American history and it was a psychological thriller I thought it was going to be Witchageddon I thought it was going to be like a Rob Zombie <laughs> movie do you know what I mean um, I, I, on retrospect I liked it more the more I thought about it it was a film that grew on me the more I thought about it um, you can't fault any of the performances in it. You can't fault the direction. The soundtrack is only yeah, aching it's amazing, to something like isn't it? The Exorcist or The Shining. The music is astounding. Well, do you remember the, the imagery music of the witch? in 2001? It's that, isn't apes. it? <laughs> That's what the music is, yeah. But I think that um, as far as horror films go, from my own opinion... I, I fi- what I find horrific is personal to me. Mm. And because of my education, I'm convent educated. Okay. So I went to a convent school where I was educated in a way where if you sinned, you would go to hell. And hell was a, a very real place for me as a child 
which sounds ridiculous, I know. But it was. And I was really terrified that if I was a naughty girl, I would go to hell. And hell was a place with the devil, with, with flames as well. I'm fucked then. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> but but I think that that's my my downfall with horror films. What I find horrific is religious things and especially possession, which is also religious, isn't it? You know, that a demon would take you over. Um, and this film, I suppose a lot of people would watch it who are cinephiles and go, oh, this is about the girl, the, the daughter, Thomasin. She's probably about 14, 13 or 14. So she's just on the cusp of puberty. And there's p- bits of it where you see the eldest son, who I think is about 11 or 12, I, looking I at looking at her boobs and looking at her hair and it yeah little things where he's like there's no other women around and they're they're puritans and he's like noticing her cleavage and stuff and so you know reading a film like in an academic way you go yeah this is a bit like carrie you know carrie started a period and that's when she started you know being able to teleport things and stuff but but this is this film's more than that because it's i don't even know if it's it's overtly psychological as well it's obviously about religious mania and i've thought a lot about it um after watching it it's eerie it's not scary but it made made me feel really anxious um it did have that i'm I'm yeah. yeah, I'll jump in then because it let's get this out there as well. It does have a witch in it, and let me just tell you this yeah. it is the best witch since Angelica Houston in fucking <laughs> The Witches. It's a proper witch a proper with a witch. motherfucking broomstick, and she's old and she's <laughs> oh, naked. No. Don't don't say it. No, no, it's not spoiling anything. It's not spoiling anything. (laughs) It is a proper witch movie. There is a witch. You see her in the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie. It is a horrible old hag, which is what you want to see. But I'm just going to say two words. Black Black Philip. And I'm going to leave it there. (laughs) Black Philip. Black Philip is the goat. And if you read up about this film, all everybody talks about is Black Philip. Black Philip. And my busy mate Kate Dickey. <laughs> my busy mate Kate Dickey really liked that goat as well. Um, he's beautiful. Yeah, so he is, he's fantastic. But he gives but one the of the best performances in, in the film. film. Well, the, I, the kids that are in the film give amazing performances. And, and one thing that people who aren't aware of this film, they sit down and watch it. And I'm sure that 75% of people who watch this film will be totally put off by the language that's used in it. And it's all original language from that period of time. Um, You know, it's all thee and thine. And, you know, it's just, to me, it's absolutely beautiful. But I'm sure a lot of people would watch it and go, what the fuck are they talking about? I don't understand it. But it's, it's so authentic from the period, the costume. Uh, the feel of it as well, because another thing you've got to remember when you watch a film like this is that the people of that time really did believe in witches and really did think they would go to hell. So it's just it's just a great film, you I know. Think, I, I think just, it's a film. Gilson. Yeah, it'll creep up on 
people. And I think yeah. the thing is, though, it, pushing out into cinemas and saying it's fucking the best horror film of the year was the wrong thing to do because people were getting up at the end of that movie and going, that was a load of bollocks. What the yeah. fuck was that yeah. about? People were bored shitless half the way through it because mm. half halfway through that film you have not seen the witch for about 40 minutes and you are wondering i've just paid nine pound fifty for a film called the witch and where is she gone she was yeah. there no she's not, <laughs> not there you know there was some beautiful and, and, and again and the imagery you know you could almost have ken russell or somebody like that the the raven well i, well, I was i was gonna say that, that a good brilliant. companion to this film is um the devil's Oh, yes, I could imagine away. a double bill of the witch and the devils because in look they're not similar and the devils, you know, Ken Russell's The Devils is a bit psychedelic in parts where this is, you'd think that somebody had sent a camera back in time yeah. to film it. Um, you know, and, uh, and you watch it and you think well are they is it mass hysteria they all imagining in that there's a witch in the forest? Well, no, there is. There really is a witch in the forest because you see her in the first ten minutes, and the scene right at the beginning where you first see the witch is—it's I. Well, I'm not going to say what happens, but what happens is like it made me go, "Oh my god, <laughs> that's horrible." But uh, another thing I really liked about the film is um, the end of it as well, because the all the way through it. Well, people, you know, I haven't read up what other people think of it. I think I read Mark Hamode's review of it. Um, and the reason it's called The Witch for people who who don't think, you know, who watch it and just see the witch at the beginning and something that happens near the end is that there is a witch all the way through it. You've just got to decide which one it is. Which witch is which? Which witch? Is which, uh, but I really, really, really loved it. I think it's one of those films that's going to grow in popularity, and I think when people actually can get it on Blu-ray and sit down yeah. and maybe put the subtitles on it as well yeah. to get their heads around the the proper old English, um, that they'll appreciate it more. And it's very, uh, yeah, it's not. I didn't think it was scary. I just thought it was a really good. Um, Fairy tale. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, so Sounds I great. really liked it. How's um, is Ralph Innocent good in it? Because uh, yeah, he's... he's brilliant. Everybody's really great in it. It's, I mean, like, Kate Dickey is just amazing in everything, and she always plays such tra- challenging roles. So, as David mentioned, there's one bit of it, and I know Kate's given an interview as well talking about the most unusual thing she's ever done on film is to breastfeed a crow and I didn't know what she was talking about until I saw the film and that is like oh my god it's horrible but um yeah everybody's really brilliant in it but but the one one person who stands out is Thomasin and her name is Anya Taylor-Joy I think the young girl who's in it, she's, I thought she was English, but she's actually American, but she's incredible in it. Really mm-hmm. brilliant. Cool. Yeah, well worth a watch. Nice. Excellent. People can add that to their list now of things to watch. Uh, Chris, 
Let's go mm. for you next. Any uh, movie talk? Yes, I've got um, three things to talk about then. So we'll start off with a proper blokes film to, to get us going. Uh, it's from 2011 and it stars Tom Hardy, uh, Nick Nolte and Joel Edgerton. Uh, it's called Warrior. Uh, have you guys seen this? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Was the crying because you liked it or you didn't like it? I liked it. <laughs> Have you seen it, Ramrod? Oh, don't even. Yeah. <laughs> I've cried, cried many times with the, the, the drunken scene with Nick Oh, Nancy. fucking hell. I'll tell you what, I thought you might have done because it's obviously it's got your um, one of your man crushes in it, Frank Grillo. Grillo's uh, in there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen this before, but I just i think after we did our last show i put it on in bed and i was i got netflix on and i was watching it uh you know uh, sweaty men in bed you know you can't beat it bottles <laughs> 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 of passes <laughs> <laughs> and, but yeah it's so the, the story is is um joel edgerton's a teacher and uh, he's estranged from his brother um who's uh, who's a war veteran and uh, their father is nick nolte as you mentioned and Joel Edgerton's struggling for money. Uh, he, he does underground fights f- to, to try and make a bit of extra money on the side. Uh, and then th- there's a tournament that comes up, you know. And it, the story, I suppose, is fairly typical. But I, I, the reason I really like it is because it, it's got that emotional core to it. I think um, Nick Nolte, he's, he's a proper bloke. I mean, we've talked about this before, I think, haven't we? You know, uh, you think... Bloke, people like Robert Mitchum, you know, and and sort of just men, you know, like re, sort of real man, isn't he? He's he's lived a, a life, you know, a full life, shall we say? And uh, he's made some great films, you know. If you think from the eighties, some some cracking action films, and I was obviously think you know Forty Eight Hours and and stuff like that. Uh, but he's fantastic in this, and I think he brings his own life experiences to this role as well because he's had you know run-ins with the law for one reason or another and we've we've all seen that mugshot of him uh when he got caught was he was <laughs> yeah. he he looks fucking bedraggled like does, a tramp doesn't yeah. he uh but i really like nick nolte and, and yeah. the um the 2003 angley hulk i think it's much, it's much maligned but i i do like it you know i haven't seen it for a long time but um i think i like Nick Nolte in it as well. Um, not so much the fucking huge CG poodle um, monsters. But, Have uh, yeah. you ever heard of a programme? And it was, it's got to be around about the mid 70s that I'll, my mum was obsessed with this programme. It was called Rich Man, Poor Man. And I can remember watching it with my mum. And his name was Tom Jordash in it. And he's, it's such a brilliant program. I don't know if you can buy it on DVD, but um, people of my age will remember Rich Man, Poor Man, and that's what made Nick Nolte. Oh, okay. That this, this series, it's, it, he was absolutely brilliant, in it, and everybody was like, he was like an instant star after appearing in this, that, that program. Yeah, mm. uh, it's uh, yes. I really I do like Nick Nolte a lot, and um, he's that scene you were talking about. Ramrod is fucking oh, it's it's emotional, and the, you know. So th- this tournament builds up because they're estranged. These brothers, um, and they both enter this tournament where I think it's the winner gets a million dollars or something like that. And you know, it's the t- typical thing. They're going to meet at some point. You know, in the final 
match. And and again, that in itself is is really emotional. I mean, this is one of the sort of films that showed off Tom Hardy's physically, in you know, intimidating and just a powerhouse, really. And and I suppose showed off that he's. Um, I suppose it showed off to me, but you know, he's acting, he's very intense, but also very emotional at the same time. And Frank Grillo plays um, uh, Joel Edgerton's trainer, and and the whole thing is, is that Tom Hardy um, has hates Nick, Nick Nolte's character, his father, and but he asks him to train him. So it's that kind of he says, "Look, I don't want to be your son. I just want you to train me. That's all." Because you know he's a as a trainer. So it's got all that stuff in it. And Nick Nolte's an alcoholic, but he's on the wagon, and uh, of you know, yeah, it's great. It's a, it's a proper blokey film, I think. But the fact that you enjoyed it as well, and I think Kay watched it with me a long time ago, and she sat through it and watched it as well so that it you know i'm perhaps being a bit stereotypical by saying oh it's because it's got fighting in it it's it's a, a film for blokes but there's a lot there to enjoy uh particularly the emotional performances oh yeah definitely with that yeah it's, it's, it's a film that I it's got all the rows of a Rocky movie. Yeah. It's got all the build up and all the, you know, a typical sports film has got the, uh, you know, I was great, I fell down, I'm building up, I win. You know, and it's, it, they're all metaphors for life struggles, aren't they? And this has got, this is a classic example of it, but with that, a performance from Nolte. And everybody talks about Tom Hardy in it because he is brilliant, but it's Nick Nolte. And it's almost like he's doing this redemptive thing for his career in it, yeah. which may or may not have worked at the time but that performance he gives I mean he sounds like he's he's gargling glass <laughs> all the way through it when he talks and that you know it's it's got everything you've seen a million times before but it's done so well because I mean Gavin O'Connor the writer-director I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Pride and Glory he did just before it um, with um, Ed Norton and Colin Farrell about the yes. coppers Yes, I you know. Am. Yeah, real grit. You know, uh, I mean, this this guy knows what he's doing. He's just done a new film called The Accountant with Ben Affleck. I don't know if you've seen the trailer, but it looks fucking mental. Where Ben Affleck's like an autistic hitman. Um, he he's a he's a great filmmaker, and uh, he, he really adds something awesome to Warrior. And people forget what a great film it is. They just think about Hardy's traps in it. Because they're fucking huge as trapezius muscles. I'm just going to talk <laughs> yeah. about them for a minute. I mean, that one knockout when he, he's training, he just goes in the ring and he bangs him out with one punch and just fucks off out the ring again. It's absolutely awesome. Lovely film. That makes me cry, as do most sports films. Yeah, <laughs> when sports films are done right, you know, and they're done well, they don't think there's anything that can match them for those levels of... Um, emotion that can get you know can sort of pull from you so yeah that's really cool uh and then next one is a documentary which is unusual for me because dave you're the king of the documentaries king <laughs> of the docs it, so uh yeah but i always we were sent this to review and um it's respectable the mary millington story mm. uh, by writer producer director simon sheridan who you've interviewed before and um, I would recommend people go back and listen to that. And hopefully Tina and I are going to interview in and maybe Ramrod if you want to jump on board. But, um, yeah, so this tells the story of Mary Millington. Now, I had heard of her through that interview, but I was too young to, to have known of her at the time because I was born in 76. Um, and But 
I don't watch many documentaries as, as, as much as you do, Dave, I must admit. But when I do, I find that I really, really enjoy them. And this is no exception. And so this tells the, the story of her life, you know, quite cut short, tragically, really, a, a very sort of short life. Um, I always sort of think now I've seen it, what would, what would she be like now if she was still alive, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that she, she kind of rose very quickly in the adult um uh what do you what do you call it pornographic world and you know the sort of uh, the magazines and the sleazy stuff if you want to call it that and uh that what i really loved about it was the sort of it's it's almost like a bit of a history lesson in itself and sort of seeing what life was like back in england in, mm-hmm. in the 70s and uh you know sort of how things have changed so much now that you, you know, we talked about it, we joked about it, didn't we, last episode, that you can get porn of any variety pretty much at, on tap now. You know, you can just go to a computer and type it in. But then everything, if you wanted to watch anything, generally speaking, you had to go to a cinema to watch it. Um, there were organized shows like in, in working men's clubs that would have if they had a projector you know they'd probably get some stuff and then it was when vhs came in you get stuff that was under the, the counter and so it was really fascinating in that respect and then mary millington i mean you, you um see clips of her and there is obviously a lot of nudity in it you know with the subject matter and there's um there's um erect penises and hardcore sex in it but it's never done in a sort of titillating way, I never felt like turned on watching it, you know, because I suppose you have to show that element of her, you know, you, you, the, the, how she started in hardcore films and be, rose to fame in that respect and then um, decided that she didn't want to do that anymore and then went into magazines. And and then her relationship with David Sullivan, which I knew nothing about. Obviously, David Sullivan, who's one of the, the owners of West Ham Football Club and, uh, you know, has Lindsay Drew and people that knew... Uh, Mary quite well and when we're close to her um, it's a really interesting fascinating documentary about um, not only a person but also a, a sort of you know piece of history and a, of that particular time I totally recommend people go out and, and grab it or watch it it's on Netflix I think at the moment mm. yeah um, it's well worth watching really really interesting um, and yeah it's got lots of tits and bush in it if that's <laughs> I think a lot of women who who would see that that was available to watch, and knowing if they, either they remembered Mary Millington or you know, you know like find out who she was, would go. I'm not watching that. Mm. She's you know because a lot most women I think are aren't very into porn. But I watched it, and even though you see as you said loads of tits and bush and cock. Um, it's all very tastefully done. And yeah. I think uh, Simon's made a very respectful and almost loving tribute to her, really, hasn't he? And she was very beautiful. But the thing that really struck me, because I've seen the documentary, I watched it on Netflix, was that um, where you watch things about uh like Linda Lovelace and how she made Deep Throat and she was really, really famous. And then years later, it came out that she she said she was raped and forced to do it. And it just t- gives it that really grubby tinge. You think, oh, she wasn't, she didn't, she was forced to do it. And it just makes it all horrible. But with Mary Millington, nobody forced her to do it. She really liked fucking, didn't she? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, she just, pretty much. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's, it's, I think Simon's done a brilliant job there. And it is, it's really, it's like a snapshot, isn't it, of the 70s? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's cracking. It really is. And I, and like, I totally agree with you. I, th- I think um, she's, there's something about her, you know, there's, there's yeah. she definitely got it. I mean, you know, uh, there was the, the sort of rumours that she shagged the Prime Minister as well, Harold Wilson. Yeah, Harold Wilson. <laughs> you know. I read that before I think it's true, you know. Really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh it's it's excellent, really, really well done, and um, so I'm looking forward to. Hopefully, we'll be interviewing him at some point in the future. Mm. So that that'd be very good. Um, the last film, I guess, and I, I suppose now being a dad and everything, like, like when we go to the cinema, I start. I thought oh, I'll write reviews of say like the movies for junior stuff, you know, because it, we talk about sometimes niche films. We talk about you know not non-mainstream films and I love all that and then obviously we do talk we talk about everything but we don't tend to talk much about kids films mm-hmm. and I watch a lot of fucking kids films let's be honest with you I think you do when you've got a little one in the house because inevitably you, you you know when they start to learn about Disney and then it's it's everything old cartoons all the fucking kids films are, and channels are on constantly so it's it's you know it, it's there on tap but I it's weird that I'd never really talk about it that much. And I, I've probably seen Frozen about 50 times, if, you know, <laughs> at least. Um, but the one film that, that's been on a few times, but I've never really paid that much attention to it until recently, was Tangled. Oh, yeah. And yeah, um, good. because it's the story of Rapunzel. And, you know, I be honest with you, sometimes with kids' stuff as well, you do tend to switch off a little bit because you think, oh, I can't be bothered with this. It's, you know, it's unless you sort of like, when you go to the cinema, you actually sit and watch it. But when it's at home, you think, oh, fuck it, I'll go and do some other jobs and then it'll be on. So I have seen bits of it, but I've never seen the whole film. But I actually sat, thought, I'll, you know, I'll sit down and I'll watch it, you know. And what a brilliant film it is, I have to say. An absolutely fantastic film. I think, you know, I like um, Frozen, I must admit. I, I, people take the piss out of it and say, oh, it's bollocks, because it's... It, it got... Sing it, Chris. Sing let it. it go. Let it go. <laughs> See, what I like is... Um, um, oh, fucking hell, it's gone out. Um, Love is an open door. I think that's a great track. Because uh, I listen to all these shit, all this, these songs in the fucking car as well, so I can't escape it. Aww. So we've got like a three-disc Disney CD, so it's constantly on, you know, with all the Disney film songs and everything. So it's, in some ways, it does sound like a frigging nightmare, and it, and it can be sometimes, you know, when you don't want to listen to it, you know, like you said earlier on, Ramrod, you just want to stick on fucking um, Mouth of War by Pantera or something like that, or War. <laughs> you know what I mean? You think, well, oh, fuck me, I'm listening to Zippity Doodah or Supercalifragilistic, you know. <laughs> fucking hell. You know, you just want to punch somebody. But Tangled is a cracking film and perhaps overshadowed a little bit because Frozen just. Yeah. It, it killed everything, didn't it? And and I, I like Frozen. I've, you know, I've watched it a, a lot of times. Um, but uh, Tangled is great. It's got some great songs, great performances, um, some great action. It's just laugh out loud funny in places. Uh, Maximus the horse. I was pissing myself <laughs> laughing at one point. The horse is the best thing in it. The horse is awesome. Yeah. It's, it's wicked. And then when him and Flynn sort of like, you know, trying to one up each other and, um, it's great. It, it's a, it's just a really good film, you know, and, and I just want to talk about it a little bit because, um, you never really hear people talk about it very often, uh, which is a shame. But the 
person who plays Mother Gothel, and that is, she's an actress called Donna Murphy. Um, she's great. She's a she's really good in it. You know, uh, so awesome. Yeah, really good. Yeah, I'd second that definitely. Great movie. I had it on Blu-ray, and I had an ex who was like Disney obsessed. And when we finished, she told. All the Disney films with her, including the fucking Blu-ray of Tangle. <laughs> and I, you know, when you want to sit down, you're like, "Do you know what? I'm in the fucking mood for a Disney film today. Where are my Disney's? That cunt's got them all." Because <laughs> <laughs> I like, I really like Tangle, and like you say, it kind of was maligned a bit because Pixar was shitting on everything at the time. Yeah. And then it was like, this is just a Disney film. It's shit. But no, it was it was Ace. It really was. Yeah, it was. And that's coming from me. <laughs> That's, that says a lot then, right there. Go on then, Ramrod. Movie talk, what have you got? Well, it's, it's quite, quite nice that you was mentioning like a nice film, because we normally talk about horrifically violent films and stuff like that, don't we? But mm. I watched a film um, on Netflix the other day, because I'm now in the Netflix world, as we all are, mm. and it is an absolute goldmine of shit, really, isn't it? I mean, all the new stuff, and specifically with what I'm going to talk about now is something new. Um, it tells the story, and no spoilers here, of uh, a man who lives in a town, and he's uh, he's the he's the linchpin of the town. Everybody knows him and loves him, and you know he's never really lived life outside of this town until a chance meeting one day with a very sexy cool guy from Hollywood, and they hit it off and become instant friends. And this guy invites them, the man who lives in the town to his birthday party in New York City. But the man who lives in the town says, well, I've never left this town before. I'm terrified of going into the outside world. And this guy says to him, I need you at my birthday party. We're going to be best friends. You need to live a little. And the next 90 minutes is this guy leaving this town for the first time ever, his comfort zone, to go to New York. This is one of the, and I'm not joking here, one of the best films I've seen all year. Mm. It's one of the most heartwarming films I've seen ever. And unfortunately, unless people know about it and go and look for it, they won't watch it. And I know a lot of people listening now, people on this podcast with me, won't watch this film. But I know somebody that will have my back here, Tina. Because <laughs> this film is called Pee Wee's Big Holiday. Yeah! Oh, fuck, <laughs> fuck that. Fuck that. Now, listen. Oh, I this, love him. We sat down and we put it on, right? Now, Paul Rubens, however old he is now, he is still Pee-wee Herman. Love him or hate him, he has not lost his character. He, This is his defining thing, apart from wanking in a porno theatre. <laughs> this is this is his defining character. Now, Pee-wee's Big Holiday, um, he wrote it, he didn't direct it. There's a guy who's made a lovely job of it, and it's almost like a lovely homage to... Pee-wee's Big Adventure by Tim Burton in 1989, I think it was. Now, I liken this film, and don't take me lightly here, to The Force Awakens. Now, bear with me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Where The Force Awakens was almost like a reboot of A New Hope, wasn't it? Now, mm -hmm. whether you like it or not, that's what The Force Awakens was. It was took all the great elements of A New Hope and adapted them to a new story. This does the same thing with Pee-wee Herman. You're in 
in a town, which you only saw briefly in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, but you, you get to see the whole town he lives in, and everybody's fucking mental in this town, not just Pee-wee. This is why he can be Pee-wee Herman, because everybody else in this town is a fucking nutter, not just Pee-wee. He meets Joe Manganello from <gasps> fucking King oh. Magic Mike. From True Blood, the big sexy fucker from Sabotage, rolls into town one day on his motorbike and calls into the diner where Pee-wee's the chef and everybody loves Pee-wee's food, and they have a moment. Hang on, did you just say Pee-wee is the chef? Pee-wee's the chef. You haven't seen this yet. I'm sorry, I've got to go, I need to watch it now. Listen, Pee-wee is cooking up a storm for the the punters of, I think it's Fairville where he lives. Joe Manganello and him hit it off. I'm not going to give you the details because it's beautiful when it happens. And I am not joking here. A lot of people will watch this and go, this film is so gay, it's unbelievable. (laughs) But I think it's a wonderful, wonderful film to show kids and adults alike because adults, there's a lot of humour there for, but kids would die laughing at this film and also get a lovely moral from it which is friendship and Joan Manganello and Pee-wee is a very odd combination because one is Pee-wee and the other one's mega hot rock star looking big dick guy from Magic Mike (laughs) Um, Pee-wee's adventure across America is just like Pee-wee's Big Adventure in one way, but in another, I have not laughed so hard in a long time at some of the shit that happens in this. The writing, the comedy, is so brilliant. And I'm not talking dick jokes, because that's not Pee-wee's style. It is genuinely funny shit that happens. Um, He bumps into the Amish community, um, black people with huge hairdos, Mm -hmm. um, a, a, a snake farm where... It's one of the funniest moments in a film in the last 10 years for me where he goes and sees the monster snake. Even though he's scared of snakes, he's brave enough to go and look at the monster. Um, He also has a great moment where an Amish guy asks him what he does for fun. And there's a 30-second bit where I cried laughing. (laughs) Um, I'm not joking. I can't recommend it enough. And if anybody's never heard of Pee Wee before, um, watch this. It's a perfect jump-off point because... it gives you everything you ever wanted from a, a stupid Pee-wee movie. And if you're already a fan of Pee-wee, fuck me, you're rewarded. It's absolutely brilliant, and it's one of the loveliest films I've seen since Inside Out. And I'm just going to leave that there. Aww. Sorry, Dave, but you're probably going to want to go out for an hour and a half because yeah. no, you're not a fan of the man. No, I'll take uh, the dog for a walk. <laughs> take the dog for, for an 90 minute walk, but if you come back and Tina's crying, it's not because she's sad, it's because she just <laughs> laughed. Uh, honest to God, and, and I know it sounds crazy, but I'm a big fan of Pee Wee's Big Adventure, obviously. Yeah, Watched it when we were kids. It's Tim, one of Tim Burton's still best movies, in my opinion. Mm. And this is a lovely homage to it, but fuck me, we laughed. I mean, Zoe, I introduced to Pee Wee. Like teen introduced me to Pee Wee, but Zoe's 22 years of age, so it's hit and miss, isn't it? Whether somebody of an adult age is going to get the humour, you either do or you don't. She is a huge Pee Wee fan because he's just so warm and stupid and magical. Um, it's it's a great film, and it's going to be in my top 10 movies of the year. <gasps> is Francis film, in it? I, no, it's there's nobody relatable to the others. There is a, a character who, repri- who doesn't reprise a role, but she is in this and she was in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. But um, it's all about him. It's about it's, – it's a love story between two men, basically. And it's not, not a broke back mountain sort of way. 
but you could say that it, it does have a, a beautiful story about friendship. And for kids to watch it, I think it's essential because it really is lovely and it's funny and it's warm. I just think it's a, a brilliant movie. I'm yeah. sold. It's on Netflix right now. Oh, for free. amazing. But yeah, it, you will piss yourself laughing, Tina. I know. I know I will. I know I'll just love it. I did. I think it was going to be this good because, like, you know, nearly 30 years after Pee-wee's Big Adventure came out, how is it still going to be that funny? They've just nailed it. They've totally nailed it. Mm. Everything's in there. So I've got Pee-wee's Big Holiday, but I, I laughed a lot as well in the cinema. And I don't really laugh a lot in the cinema unless I'm off my absolute tits on something <laughs> watching The Witch. Um, but we went to an unlimited preview screening of Shane Black's The Nice Guys. Oh, okay. And um, are you ready to hear about this? Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, talk about top ten of the year, this one's in the top five of the year because Shane Black's done it again. <laughs> um, it's one of the most hilarious um, action noirs. I think he he's um, undefinable with his his genres and like kiss kiss bang bang. It's almost the same movie in terms of it's a noirish thriller. It's period because it's set in the seventies, but it's definitely Shane Black's funniest movie. Um, Ryan Gosling is absolutely hilarious in it. It's like fucking Laurel and Hardy all the way through. <laughs> Um, it's got violence, it's got tits, it's got Keith David in it from The Thing and they live in a, in a meaty role. Um, it's got shootouts, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's thigh-slappingly funny. Um, you know, Shane Black's obviously, for anybody that doesn't know, he's responsible for Lethal Weapon, he's responsible for The Last Boy Scout, fucking Monster Squad, um, The Long Kiss Goodnight, you know, um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang primarily I'll talk about here because, you know, he's the guy that invented the buddy genre, give or take a few other good movies, that the dynamic he writes between two male characters, and they're always flawed male characters, or women as well, and he always writes women as the uber-intellectual, like in The Last Boy Scout, where Bruce Willis's daughter kind of was so much more intelligent than everybody else in it, but she was a bit of a dickhead. Um, Pepper Potts in Iron Man 3 had a, you know, extended time in the sun. And in this, there's like a 13-year-old girl that's Ryan Gosling's daughter that steals the fucking movie. Um, it, it's, the ta it's, a, it's a story about, um, it, it's like Chinatown. Can you describe the plot of Chinatown to anybody? It's about water and corruption in L.A. You know, and incest. And Don't incest. forget the incest. There you go. And, <laughs> and this is kind of like Chinatown on roller skates. Um, the, the jokes are amazing. It. I mean, there's uh, there's one specific bit where um, uh, the Ryan Gosling's having a bit of a dream. Um, he falls asleep at the wheel, and um, Russell Crowe shows him his ankle pistol in his dream, and he's like showing it off. Russell Crowe, bear in mind is a hard bastard in this. He's like the Bruce Willis character in Last Boy Scout. He shoot first, ask questions later. He's very fat now, Russell Crowe. I love Russell Crowe. I think he's, he's great. He's so like, I think he's so brilliant and people take the piss out of him yeah, all the time. It's because of his public persona because he likes yeah. drinking a fight. I mean, fuck, mm. you know, so what? Um, so did Mike Tyson, but he's a legend. Uh, <laughs> let's drink a fight. 
But um, yeah, Russell Crowe's really fat. He's noticeably fat. But um, he, him, and like Ryan Gosling pair up, and I love Gosling. I fucking watch him paint a fence and get you off. You like on to fuck him, you mean? I love Ryan Gosling. I know you him. do. Valentine is one of the best films ever made for me. Never mind Drive. It's all about Blue Valentine. But in this, his 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 comedy is just incredible. And Russell Crowe and him are a perfect pairing, and, and only because they're brilliant actors. And the script they've got. I mean, some of the laughs in it. And I was in a packed audience because these unlimited screenings people run to. Again, cinephiles. It's people that want to see the film. They know it's a Shane Black film. They know it's going to be good. Oh, they were fucking howling in there at some of the shit. And there's a lot of physical comedy as well. Um, Like I say, the bit where Russell Crowe showing off his ankle gun to him in a dream is a callback later in the movie where they're in some sort of peril. And Ryan Gosling drops to the floor and starts like fingering his sock to get this gun out. And Russell Crowe's going, "What the fuck are you doing?" And he goes, "You've got an ankle gun." He goes, "I never wear an ankle gun." He goes, oh, "I fucking dreamt it, didn't I?" <laughs> and, you know, it's so stupid. He's, an, he's a pisshead all the way through it, Gosling, and he plays drunk really well because he's. I drink now and again, so he's listening to this. He's going, "You drink all the time," but you become quite forgetful. When you like the you now and again. And all the way through this, Ryan Gosling's playing a private eye. He's supposed to be the best in his field. But he keeps forgetting everything. And just every time he goes to like a party with Russell Crowe to get clues, somebody offers him a drink and then he's just pissed and useless. Um, oh, it's 10 out of 10. It's a stunningly brilliant film. And I can't wait to see what Shane Black does with Predator based on this. Oh, hell yeah. In full fucking stride again. There's not one bum note in the entire movie. And the action scenes are brilliant. We all saw Iron Man 3. It's one of the best fucking Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a total one-off. And that's a buddy movie, isn't it? It's him and fucking War Machine for 40-odd minutes just dicking around. Mm-hmm. But, but this is, you know, classic Shane Black, just how you like it. But it's going to put him... Put him right up there, ready for Predators. Or The Predator, sorry. It's The Predator, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but I, I pissed myself laughing, so I laughed at Pee Wee. <laughs> I felt really happy. And then I watched The Nice Guys, and I laughed a lot and felt really happy. Oh, nice. So everything was good. Quick yeah. shout out for Kiss Kiss Bang Bang because I fucking love yeah. that film. Mm. I think that's awesome. And any anybody who can make Val Kilmer a, like hilarious and <laughs> you know, <laughs> is his name Gay Perry? Gay Perry. That's it. Yeah. Uh, he's, he deserves a medal, you know, and and that was just like the snappy dialogue, you know, and Robert Downey Robert Downey Jr. doing his thing, you know, it's just a brilliant film love that yeah and overlooked again that's another one yeah overlooked by a lot of people really well you should mention david who shane black is shane black is hawkins predator predator he's hawkins i I don't think think a lot of people know that that is shane Black. you got a big pussy geez you got a big pussy why did you say that twice i didn't it's the echo (laughs) shane black was brought in on predator to do the rewrites on the script and when he read the script, he said, it's that good, there's nothing I can do in it, but please can I be in the film? And John McTeen and went, yeah, I'll ask Joel Silver, can he be in the film? Yeah, all right, he's Shane Black, put him in it. And he's, he does not fit at all in that team of muscular beefcakes, does he? No. <laughs> but he pulls it off. <laughs> yeah, he's brilliant. And he, he said the next Predator movie is looking good so far at the moment in his oh, hands. 
it'll be amazing. But honestly, go and see The Nice Guys on the big screen because it's one of those movies you do not see in the cinema anymore because there's a plot. You do not know what's going to happen next. There's no signposts. Um, and it's the shootouts and weird characters. And Keith fucking David. Nice. Yeah, totally brilliant. So Excellent. those are my two big movies, but I do have more coming up. Oh, go on. I do have more. Well, I can, I can squeeze in another one for you, because we've been Netflixing. Okay. And we found Tobe Hooper's 1986 remake of Invaders from Mars. Oh, wow, yes. Now, I had no fucking clue this was still out and, out, out and about. I mean, he made this off the back of... Uh, Life Force and Poltergeist. Dan O'Bannon wrote the script. Dan O'Bannon, famous for writing Alien, Dax, Aaron, Return of the Living Dead. Um, Stan Winston did the effects on it. It is absolutely awesome. Uh, Invaders from Mars was a 50s B movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without better than me, Dave, where, you know, David Gardner's parents, uh, they start watching one night and they see a meteor crash behind the hill and the dad goes out to look where the meteor was. He comes back changed. He's been body snatched. Then his mum's body snatched. Then the town's body snatched and only the boy knew about it. It's classic, isn't it? Well, this has got an 80s spin on it where um, Louise Flynn, who you'll know as Nurse Ratchet from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, has that... Great, it's a great moment. Um, do you remember V? And you remember the scene where the mouth opens? And oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the mouse. Well, there's a bit where he suspects um, Louise Fletcher's character, who's his, his, his science teacher, who's horrible to him, that she may have been body snatched. And he creeps up on her in the classroom and he like, like touched, feels her collar. And she turns around with a frog in her mouth with eyes wild. And it scared the shit out of us. And we're sitting here with like me, Zoe, and Zoe's dad watching this fucking movie and we're like um, the guy out of Return Living Dead I think it's Frank you know the one that's going <laughs> all the way through it turns up as an army general at the end the end of the last 20 minutes of the film is like Starship Troopers you can tell it was made in the 80s because there's, they're like rocket launching the aliens and stuff it's totally brilliant it's, it's a beautiful widescreen HD version on Netflix um, so go and have a little look at some uh, 80s uh, remake. And Tobe Hooper, I don't think, really made anything substantial. This was, I think, just before he did Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and then everybody went, oh, fuck off, Tobe Hooper lost it. <laughs> so that that is out there on Netflix. So, yeah, get Vader's from Marcy. V always used to scare the shit out of me. I'd watch that when I was a kid, and fuck, <laughs> fucking hell, that's <laughs> horrible. It was a good show v wasn't it yeah man yeah they did a new version of it didn't they but i never watched any of it yeah i didn't watch it either i, I it got cancelled i think quite quickly after it had, uh it didn't get much of a run but yeah i was like robert england in it and was it julia yeah. was the evil bitch and yeah. uh was it mark singer um and michael yeah. ironside was in it towards the end i Ironside think as well. pops up yeah remember. oh yeah it was Brilliant. one of those things that someone was a little kid teen used to tape it off the telly. Yeah. <laughs> and make you watch it. Yeah, made me watch it, but it was a, it was a cracker. But no, Invaders from Mars was surprisingly... It's good with Netflix, because you'll, you'll, like, you'll scan through, and you normally spend more time scanning than watching. Yeah. Um, we clicked on that, and it was a pleasant surprise. You know, it was, it was a lovely homage to the old one, but had loads of 80s 
action and comedy thrown into it as well. Of course, Dan O'Bannon writing it, you can't really go wrong. But, you know, rest in peace. What, yeah. a, what a loss he, he was to film. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it's a good recommendation, that one, mate. Yeah. It's a practice, so that's out there. Is that, is that it for movies with you, mate? I, well, I, I, I've got one more. Um, it, just a quick one, if okay. you're on there. I, I picked up um, Peter Jackson's... Um, Brain Dead or Dead Alive, as it's yeah, known. yeah. I was trying to find a nice widescreen version of it because it has come out on Blu-ray, but it's region locked. You wankers in America, so um, I got a Lionsgate um, widescreen version of it uh, to show to Zoe because I was like, you know, you, you, she loves Lord of the Rings. You need to see fucking <laughs> Brain Dead. if you thought Lord of the Rings was good. Wait till you see the fucking gore in this. Um, I hadn't watched it for about ten years. And um, popping it on again, fuck me, what a ride it is. And, mm. you know, it's a, it's quite a nice love story. You can see, like, the early, like, the lovely bones and um, heavenly creatures Peter Jackson creeping out with the sort of relationship story. But <laughs> the second half of the movie, he's just literally gushing his spirit everywhere. I mean, the, the violence, the invention of the violence. I mean, it pisses on anything Sam Raimi could come up with. I mean, the, the use of gore in it, I've never seen anything like it. And for comedic value, um, total riot. I don't know what versions you can get over here in Region 2, but get this uh, Lionsgate Region 1. It's about a tenner second hand on Amazon, but to have a good copy of it, it's worth it. Mm. Um, Brain Dead is again one of his forgotten, probably forgotten movies. But at the time, it was his best known movie, wasn't it? That's what everybody yeah. knew Peter Jackson for was Brain Dead. Yeah, I think talking about Peter Jackson and forgotten movies, Brain Dead and Meet the Feebles are the <laughs> two that like no, yeah. most people would go never heard of those. And the Frighteners. 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 Oh wow, there's a movie too. Mm. Yeah, that one. Um, it didn't do very well, you know, in the in the box office. But it, that's a great film, that is. And, yeah. Oh, is Brain really Dead, good. Bad Taste, fucking awesome films, you know. And it, you can the see. Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on, Lord of the Rings, fucking Return of the King is his. I think his finest hour. Come Dave's on, never that seen that. I haven't seen it. That Nitty <laughs> and Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. You should watch Pee-wee's Big Armadale, Dave. It might change your mind. No, I have seen yeah. Pee-wee's Big Adventure and tried a few times and turned it off. And his TV show, that's why I've got no interest in what the latest <laughs> So No, it's, um, it, it was nice watching Braindead again because we were fucking howling watching it and I'd forgotten most of the shit in it. Yeah. And apart from the bit where he goes into the zombies with a lawnmower attached that's to him. That's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Fucking mashes him up. It's the baby scene where he takes the, the zombie baby for a walk <laughs> and the fucking, he's kicking it and smashing it against the, the oh. swings and the, you know, it's, oh God, absolutely hilarious, hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's got some great stuff and the mum at the end turns into a huge monster, oh. I've forgotten all this, and like chases him up on the roof of the house, it's just, I wish he'd make another horror movie now. Yeah, That's yeah. awesome it would be. It's the, the scene where they're eating dinner and... Oh. God. Fucking hell, that it's is. Out of her, her neck, and he starts feeding her gullet instead of her mouth. It, I think uh. it's the bit where the, the, they have the two. Um, was it the, the man and the woman come round and he, he makes them like lunch, and then they're eating like rice pudding or something like that, and then puss comes out of her arm into uh. the, into the bloke's 
pudding. Pizza. And he goes, ooh, nice and creamy. <laughs> <laughs> and her fucking ear falls off. Apart, <laughs> and she's like there crunching it up. <laughs> oh, God. You Brilliant. don't get that shit anymore, do you? It's all far, horror's far too serious these days. Yeah. You know, we need more stupid shit. Peter Jackson, make another fucking horror movie, please. Yeah, even even low budget, you know, just do something to make us laugh and disgust us would be really good. That'd be a joke. But that's that. Well, that was my movies. There we go. Nice one. Good recommendations again. Uh, I'm I'm going to move on. We don't often talk about television, but I just want to very quickly give a few recommendations out there the first one uh myself and tina were close to the end of the first series of it uh the windsors starring <laughs> Har- harry yes. en- harry enfield uh morgana robinson it's a piss take of the british royal family uh unfair Have you seen it, chris and david i've seen it advertised and i i, I, it, I did kind of like the look of it but I, I'm not really that interested in the royal family, so well, anything. Oh, yeah, that's okay. it. Yeah, because it re- it I... rips into them big time, and it's. I think it's been unfairly in a few places been uh, compared to Spitting Image. Right. Oh, it's uh, not like Spitting Image. It's not like Spitting Image. No, and it's it really. <laughs> if if like me and Tina, you don't give a shit about the royal family, <laughs> it's it makes it even funnier. If you're like a royalist. Uh, give it a pass, all right? Oh, if you because... were a royalist, you would be incredibly offended. Uh, yeah, totally offended by it. But uh, if you're of the same mindset of us, watch it and get ready to laugh a lot because yeah, it really it's rips so into them. Funny. Yeah. So I would, I would definitely recommend that. There's a couple of more TV series that I would recommend. Here's me talking about television. Who'd have wow. thought? You can tell me yeah. you've had Netflix. Well, this is it. Now the thing is, we've also, how about this? We've also got Amazon Prime. Mm. so we've watched now we've only watched the first episode of this uh, at time of recording and it's preacher oh yeah i've heard i've heard about this yeah now i i was i was hooked on it because because i made you watch it (laughs) no no i wanted to watch it anyway we put it on and we wanted to watch it anyway it's it's standing at a healthy 8.8 already on imdb uh one of the good thing that i liked about the first episode is it poses so many questions already. Uh, it's like, okay, who's he? Why are they doing that? Why has that happened? This Again, there's some incredible violence in it. There's some great humour in it. There's some really good characters in it. There's some fantastic acting in it. And Ramrod, when you've got Joseph Gilgan in it from <laughs> This Is England, playing this Irish character who, and this is, again, going from the first episode, I don't know who or... He's what? Cassidy, isn't he? Or yes, what? he is. Yeah, or yeah, what he is. I know exactly who he is. Well, this is it, because I'm not familiar like with with the, the, the comic books, the, the graphic novels. Now. It's all new to me. So oh. shit's, shit's happening. I'm going, how the fuck has he survived that? And why is he doing this? And, and why, oh. why, why, <laughs> why is Jesse Custer, the preacher, doing this? So, because I want all these questions answered, it's like, yeah, I'm hooked on this. Already. Good lad. Yeah, so I'm hoping it, it keeps me going. The first episode is really, really good. Oh. So I'd definitely recommend it with that. As I'm going to see it. And again, Ramrod, you especially. Th- this is made for you, mate. Oh, we, and again, this we've only watched the first episode of it. Okay, uh, we've got we've got them all here, queued up, ready to watch. Uh, it's uh, an American TV series called Sixty Days In. 
No. Reality TV show where seven people volunteer, stupid idiots, to go behind bars in this jail <gasps> for 60 days. The inmates don't know that they've been planted <gasps> in there. All the guards at the jail don't know that they've been planted what in the there. Fuck? Sold. So right. <laughs> So and again, we're so hooked on it because the choice one of the one of the people that goes in is Muhammad Ali's daughter. Oh, she's solid. Yeah, who actually, while we've been recorded, has come online that Muhammad Ali has been rushed into hospital as well. By the way, breaking, oh, no. breaking news. Yeah, um, but the the people that go in there, and this is if you do the reality TV right, it's all down to the choice of the people that you pick to you know to to be in it so we've got me and tina were sat there already and we were going oh yeah he's he's really good we got this um ex-marine so they're famous people no 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 no, no. there's only her she had to hide her identity all the others are totally unknown there's this ex-marine and he's hard as fucking nails and he's going in there (laughs) and he's he's like he he's um he's working for the cops now and he wants to do it to help progress his career and mm. see what it's like on the inside um you've got uh, this really simpy woman <laughs> who me and tina hoping just gets like ganged raped by all the women in there uh as does this one <laughs> there's a guy i forget his name but there's a guy who's in there who's a teacher and again oh, yeah he's the one who we want to get bombed well it finishes <laughs> episode it's brilliant because episode one is they go in there and he makes his way into the concourse and they, you know, everybody's in there and they've got all this they've set up the, the jail with all this new CCTV I was uh, going to say how the fuck have they yeah. done this well they've got CCTV in there but they've also they went in like weeks before and set it up that a documentary was being made about inmates new inmates to um, jail but the majority of the footage that they get is pure CCTV so they oh, they know they're being filmed but there's not there isn't a camera in the face which is really good so you see this guy this teacher walking in who all the way through the first episode has been going oh yeah they, they've got it easy in jail and they're doing this and I'll, oh it's easy life and i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do that and the episode ends where he's walking in and it's got this cctv footage and he's got the microphones hooked up to it and everything and they're going oh yeah it's fresh meat it's fresh meat look at who's all this oh he's uh. got he, he's got tight buns and then the last uh. <laughs> the last line of the first episode is i'm going to fuck him and then it <laughs> finishes <laughs> oh, and what me it's 60, 60 days in well, you know, the ironic thing is how how I found out about this series because it's been on in America for the last couple of months was um, I, I read about it in the Daily Mail because they were complaining about how horrific it was. And I thought, hello. <laughs> yes, oh. But you do really side. So we've we've got these people that were going, yeah, we hope you get it and we hope you get it. <laughs> and that, But then you've got other you've got other people that went in that you, you – you sort of really feel for, and you're going, oh, I hope nothing happens to them. I hope nothing happens to them. But they've got two months in there, and it's like anything could happen. Anything could happen. It's so, yeah, it's really, really good. He actually says, I'm going to fuck. Fuck him. He comes in, yeah, oh, look at him. It's fresh meat. Oh, yeah, he, he looks like he's got a tight body. <gasps> and then it, it does, literally, the last line is, I'm going to fuck him. <laughs> That's it. Tune in next week on 60 <laughs> Days In. That's it. The sick bastards and they. The poor guy's there trying to make beans on toast and he's being just bummed and that's <laughs> being bottled. Bo- be bottled by Lucas. 
like you know and then chris comes along with a bottle yeah you yeah. proceed spread them boy <laughs> <laughs> he's um, what's his name off whiplash aren't you chris what's his name <laughs> fucking um, oz <laughs> yeah shillinger Vern shillinger Schilling. yeah you're gonna <laughs> suck my dick yeah that's true <laughs> that is such a fucked up show the thing is that muhammad ali's daughter is really well known isn't she and, like, they're not going to put her into a position where she could possibly get fingered to death because uh, she's famous. Well, but she's a social other... worker. Uh, no, no, it's, it's, it's this one. other it's daughter, yeah. David. Oh, not the boxer. It's not the boxer. No, 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 no. No, it's the other one. It's yeah. another one. It's a social See, worker. I thought it was the boxer, you see. No, so you... no, no. Oh, everybody would know her. Yeah. No, this is this is the other one. Does he get fucked then, this guy? Have you gone ahead? No, we haven't watched episode two yet, so we don't know. We're hoping he does because we fucking hate him. He's so up his own arse that, you know, somebody else <laughs> should get up there. Is it, like, um, <laughs> it going to be like a nature show, though, where it's like nature takes its course and they can't intervene if somebody gang rapes Yeah, someone? because they've been told they're not allowed. They've got to keep their heads down. There's only the guy. He's in charge of the prison and another oh, another yeah. officer like, who knows yeah. that they're... Yeah. Three, even with their own family, each person could only tell one person that what was going to happen. They had to lie to the rest of the family about what was going on. So fun. And so you've got... It's like um, fucking escape plan. Only like the, the head of the jail knows what's going on. Uh, none of, like say none of the guards do or anything like that. None of the inmates, nothing like that. They are proper like fresh meat going in. Where can I watch this? Is this something you've acquired or is it on the internet or? It's been acquired, dear. Yes. I'll pop and see you after work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> because that just sounds me. I mean, because you know I love Scared Straight. Where yeah. they take the kids. Oh, in. that's brilliant. We talked You're about that, didn't we? Yeah. my chest. You know all yeah. that shit. Yeah. This, this, you'll lap it up, mate, going from this first episode. Thank you very much for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is, there, is there any more TV? I know we don't often talk about television, but is there any more TV chat? I've yes. got something as well. Ooh, go, on. go, go, go. Chris, go on, you're next. Okay, well, it's just a follow-on from what Tina was talking about, the last show we did. Um, I've, I've watched The Night Manager. Um I, I, we caned it last week because uh, we, we had it recorded and we'd heard loads of good things about it and so we thought you know this will be something that perhaps Kay will get into as well and she did she was hooked she absolutely thought it was great uh, yeah. so th- this is uh, Tom Hiddleston who was totally I think you know going to be the next Bond you can see it now uh, it, he's just yeah nails it really well, have you seen in the news today the woman who directed the night manager has just been signed up to direct the new bond film oh i can tell i can see that because yeah. the, if i describe if there's one word to describe or maybe two but one word to describe it would be uh lavish it's mm. it's so lavish and sumptuous and beautifully filmed and you know just dripping with uh class class and yeah. um just tension and drama and the performances are top notch really there's not a bum note in any of them there's no bad performances um even fucking neil morrissey pops up in it and mm. you know and he's very good you know for the performance season it's uh tom hiddleston's great hugh laurie's fantastic and I've, I've always had a soft spot for him particularly like i've talked about house a number of times but he's wonderful in this you know he plays against type uh, you know with his character olivia coleman i don't think i've ever seen her in 
in a bad film or TV show. She she's wonderful in this. Um, there's one part in it. She's the uh, the story is very. I don't want to call it typical, but, you know, it's a uh, Tom Hiddleston plays a character who, for one reason or another, goes undercover into um, Hugh Laurie's organisation. He's a philanthropist, you know, on the face of it, but behind the scenes, he's actually a gun runner. I mean, even the the, the titles sequence, you know, looks like a Bond movie. Uh, mm-hmm. And, but, you know, you've got, Sort of the uh, the performances supporting cast from Tom Hollander, who's great in it. He plays a gay character, but he's um, one of the most sinister characters I think I've seen on on screen. You're never quite sure what you're going to get with him. Uh, he's he's fantastic. Um, and Olivia Coleman, I mentioned this one scene in it. She's like the um, part of an agency that's after Roper. And there's a scene, I think it's in episode four or five, where she explains the reasons why she's after him. And it's brilliant. She's she's absolutely fantastic in it. So yeah, it's I think it's just come out recently on DVD and Blu-ray. So I, I, I totally recommend it if you haven't watched it already. It's somebody told me that I think each episode cost about three million pound, and you can see it on the screen. Yeah, you can. It's amazing, isn't it? It's uh, it's so well made. It's mm. not something that you normally get on the BBC. Um, it's fantastic. Really, 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 really good. Highly recommended. Mm, excellent. Tina, you said well, I could talk TV. about Olivia Coleman as well, um, and I've got a, I watch a lot of telly, so the bulk of my chat will be about TV. Uh, and one program that Dave, I think you watched the first part of it, but I watched the whole series. And just in case this particular lady is listening, hello Steffi, because she's gone on and on and on at me on Twitter about talking about this program uh it's called flowers mm-hmm. and it starred olivia coleman as deborah and julian barrett who is in what david rogers he is in vhs no abc's of death 2 in the the skit called badger b is for badger <laughs> <laughs> No, that was the obscure thought, one, that one. Yeah, I thought you might say, like, the Mighty, mighty Boosh. Boosh. <laughs> He's in the Mighty Boosh, and he plays the part of Morris Flowers, who writes children's books called The Grubs. So they live together in this really ramshackle house with their twins, Amy and Donald, who were played by Sophia DiMartino. Had to mention her. Because uh, I was her 2,000th follower on Twitter last week and she thanked me very much for following her. And um, Dan Rigby plays Donald, his son. They're very weird. Uh, Amy is sort of like a bonkers Kate Bush. So watching the adverts for this when it was on really attracted me to it because I thought, she's a bit Kate Bushy. So, so, yeah, um, Morris writes these children book children's books and he's got um a chinese perhaps he's japanese man living with him um called shun who's the illustrator for these books and his name's will sharp and he actually wrote the program and when you see the advert on channel four for it because especially because julian barrett's in it as well they they've put it over as um a comedy program it's not a comedy program. It's 
it's quite hard. To, there, there are really funny bits in it because right at the beginning of episode one, Julian Barrett tries to hang himself and the rope snaps and it just carries on like that. And all the characters in it are, um, it's almost like, do you remember Brass Eye? Have you all, I know mm. David's seen it. Do you yeah. remember Brass Eye? It was sort of that really weird comedy that makes you feel like you're going to throw up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like 98. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Julian Barrett's wife is Julia De- Julia Davis, who wrote 99 and Hunderby as well. Have you, any of you seen Hunderby? No. It was just me. Oh, oh, God. If you haven't seen Hunderby, Google it and just buy it because it's absolutely brilliant. But, um, yeah, so I think it was on over five nights in one week and I watched them. After they'd been on, Dave goes to bed early. So I watched each one each night. And I've, I have to say that it's like one of the darkest things I've ever seen, really. But it definitely is the best programme I've ever seen that deals with um, suicidal depression. I've never seen anything like it before. Um, One of my very close friends, husband's committed suicide several years ago. And she still can't get her head around it now because he hung himself in the family garage. And literally she found him literally seconds after he'd done it and he was dead. He died straight away. He'd measured the rope and everything. So he he intended to kill himself. But this programme... was really heartwarming and and lovely and life-affirming and basically says it's a love story between the husband and wife, Olivia Coleman and Julian Barrett, but she just wants to make him feel better and he keeps telling her that she can't and it's not her fault and the more she loves him, the worse he feels. Uh, and it's quite profound, really. It sounds like, oh, my God, I don't want to watch that. It's so de- depressing. But it's not. It's not a depressing program. So that's one program that you should all watch. <laughs> We've all got really quite, oh, God, it's so suicide. <laughs> oh, su- yeah. It, it is. If anybody who suffers from depression would probably watch it and go, yeah, know exactly how he feels. So, uh, so that was a great. So, I hope you like that, Steffi. If you're listening, uh, great program, Julian Barrett, totally amazing sex god. Who could be your older brother, Chris? <laughs> you said this before. <laughs> I think I. For mm. those of you who don't know what Chris looks like, Google him or look at his picture on. <laughs> is your is your profile picture on Twitter? It's on our our homepage. It's on the website. website, It's on our website. Go and have a look at Chris's photo. Then Google Julian Barrett and you'll see what I mean. Mm. So the other, another TV program, I've got a couple of TV programs I'll very quickly whip through is, uh, uh, I really like old TV and I go back to when I was, as a kid and I remember things that my mum and dad used to watch things like Upstairs Downstairs and The Duchess of Duke Street and because I'm really old and uh, my all-time favourite is Dallas absolutely love Dallas but another programme that my mum and dad used to watch when I was a kid was Luke's Kingdom 
and I'm in the middle of writing something for the website about Lick's Kingdom. But another program that my dad really liked that I bullied Dave into buying me on DVD <clears throat> several months ago is a program called Shogun. Anybody heard of that? Oh, it's uh, Richard Chamberlain, isn't it? That's the one. Uh-huh. That god, Richard Chamberlain, yeah. Um, so that's based on a novel by James Clavell. He wrote several novels in the sort of early to early 60s to sort of mid-80s, all Jap- Japanese-based, all to do with shoguns and, you know, all that sort of shit. So Dave bought me, because <laughs> I made him buy me this box set of Shogun. And I sort of remembered it. And I am I love Richard Chamberlain because the Thornbirds, for a lady of a certain age, is like the ultimate... I mean, forget Fifty Shades of Grey. Who wants to watch that shit when you can watch Richard Chamberlain, who is a gay man, pretending to be a priest, shagging women? <laughs> Nobody watched the Thornbirds? <laughs> it, it, I'm probably a bit too young for it, but I remember it being on. Oh, you need to get that for Kay. She'd love it. So I, so anyway, I've been watching Shogun, and that's been really brilliant. It's got lo- loads of British actors in it, like John Reese davis and uh, other people whose names I can't remember. <laughs> and the costumes are really brilliant, and the story's really brilliant. And the other great thing about it is it's the first... Um, English language program to ever be filmed in Japan. So that's really good. And I think it's about five quid on DVD. Uh, now, I could talk at length about Daredevil. Uh-huh. Mm. Uh-huh. Anybody else watch I, I Daredevil besides me? Should because I have just watched episode one of series two. So right. you better not tell me anything yeah. after series one. <laughs> Episode one, because I've just seen the Punisher shoot the Daredevil off the roof, so right. don't say anything else. Yeah, okay. and I, I haven't seen any of it yet. So, <laughs> right, well, you you two can both fuck off, and I'm I'm going to talk about it anyway. Oh no, <laughs> seriously, I, yeah, don't yeah. don't spoil it. Don't spoil it because no, I no, just I'm started gonna, watching it episode one. Give you, I'm not going to talk about the storyline, but um, rather compare it to Jessica Jones. Okay. Complete I've, silence. Nobody's seen Jessica Jones. No, either. I've seen four episodes. I haven't seen all of that yet, so don't spoil that either. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Shall I just go I've and got sit in the garden? Things to do. I can't sit there watching telly all day. I don't watch telly all day. It's hard to get three TV shows for me. I have to do them like one day at a time. Right. Don't okay. spoil that So. So Daredevil is about the devil of Hell's Kitchen, another person from the Marvel Universe, as is Jessica Jones. So they live in this this universe that the Marvel film storylines have already happened in. So they're more or less superheroes because, like, you know, we've got Iron Man and we've got Thor, but they don't really talk about that in these two series. Um so I've sort of galloped through the first series of Daredevil and sort of liked it, you know, to, you know, so I watched it to the end. And then I've started the new series. Well, I've watched both series now and I'm so, and I sort of like this one as well. And then the Punishers become more and more in it. And I think that Daredevil has sort of diminished with me and all I want 
to do is see a program about the Punisher because he I I'm I have to admit that I'm a bit bored with Daredevil because it's really Catholic heavy and it's really overt in its messages like he, he agonizes whether or not he's doing the right thing and he mustn't kill anybody while the Punisher comes into it and just shoots everybody and I have to say that I've never seen such a violent TV program before. Really? Wow. Especially with, now the Punisher's in it. There's one scene near the end of series two involving the Punisher where his favourite way of killing people isn't shooting them but stabbing them about 40 million times that I actually watched it and thought, shit, this is really, really violent. For me to say that, it was it was a bit too stabby for me. Um, and I think, again, you know, sort of comparing it, people who've watched Daredevil and Jessica Jones, I actually prefer Jessica Jones to Daredevil because it's, it's not as padded out and her character is a bit more human. She gets pissed and she shags people and Daredevil doesn't. It's... It's a grown-up program that doesn't let itself go. And I can't talk about any of the others because I'll spoil it for you, won't I? <laughs> Which is a bit... But I have to see John Barenthal's just amazing. And they are making um, a Punisher, a standalone Punisher series. And I think that'll be incredible because he, he's, he was really good in The Walking Dead, wasn't he? Real standout. You've all watched The Walking Dead. Yeah, You've yeah. It's gone really quiet. <laughs> Are you there? <laughs> I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, You're listening. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's really great in The Walking Dead, and I thought it was, you know, obviously he had to die in the story, but his character is really strong, and I, he, all the other Punishers, even Thomas Jane pales compared to John Barenthal. Oh. oh, really? Seriously, he is the Punisher because he's that, that tortured, angst-ridden, stabby power ball in this. And I think when the when the new series comes out, you'll all absolutely love it. Um, another quick mention to a programme for any ladies out there listening to this who are of a certain age called Grace and Frankie and it stars Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. It's about two women who are in their 70s, which I find incredible for a TV programme that they've made a comedy sitcom about two old ladies who aren't really old. Uh, find out that their husbands, who are Martin Sheen and Sam Waterson, two lawyers, have been partners for years, that they're actually in love with each other. They take them out to dinner one day and say, Jane, Lily, we're leaving you because we, we love each each other and we've been bumming each other for years and it's about way they <laughs> and it is it's like it's the most amazing program because it really is about old uh, like old women matter as well so that's quite life-affirming and shit like and it's also really really funny because I'm a massive Jane Fonda fan I think she's brilliant but Lily Tomlin is so fucking funny in this program she's a total like 
do lally hippie in it but that's a really good watch uh, if you wanted to watch it like you know martin sheen's in it yeah I, hello i, I, I caught about <laughs> i caught about 15 minutes of one of the episodes when you were watching it i've got, got to admit the bit that i saw was really funny yeah, it is It is really funny. And very briefly, the last thing that I'll mention is um, uh, hold the door. Hold the door. Hold the Ooh, door. Hold the door. Hold the door. Hold the door. And David and Dave will go, what the fuck are you talking Because I'm not ahead on TV shows. I don't know. I've got no idea. I can't I... say anything. I've watched like one half of Game of Thrones news. Every here. time Game of Thrones, which I think we're up to uh, episode six, was on this week, and um, reviews come up where they discuss that episode, and across the board of British reviews, blogs, whatever, I've read that people are totally bored by it and think that it's shit now and they should give it up. I think this series is a lot more linear. I think that the last couple of series have had so many characters in it, like the Martells in Dawn and all the Sand Snake stuff, that there were so many people in it. You just lose track of who everybody is. And I've read all the books and I really love Game of Thrones. It's like, you know, one of my favourite programmes, but... I've got the knowledge of the books as well, so I could fill in the gaps where characters are missing, you know, stuff is a bit confusing. And I'd sort of think, oh, yeah, I know what's happening there because I've read the book. This is the first standalone TV series where they're not really going from the books. They've gone off onto their own tangent now. And I think that it's working really well and I'm really enjoying it to the point where I'm like, oh, great, Game of Thrones is on. I can't wait to watch it. Because they've sort of cut the story and the characters down and it's become more about those central families and characters. And I don't know if you agree with me, Chris, but, <clears throat> you know, I, th I can say this because everybody knows now that Jon Snow didn't die. He's alive. And I can see a path with what's happening in this series that they're gearing up towards the beginning of the end now. Yeah. And I think that maybe not series seven, but maybe series eight, it's going to come to a conclusion. Well, they're doing two more after this that I think I've heard. Um, oh, really? I think so. I mean, from my point of view, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know if people can say it's boring. I mean, Game of Thrones, it, it usually has like the first couple of episodes go out the gates and then it sort of has a bit of a, I wouldn't call it a lull, but, you know, there's, there's, it builds up to something and then it kicks off again the last sort of like two to three episodes towards yeah. the end. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I, I think I agree with you. It's... There's things that I, I tend to focus on more than others. I'm, I want to call it, I'm not bored, but I kind of lose a little bit of interest with the Aria stuff or, or Aria, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. it it's okay. It, it's just, I don't know. It, it, it's, I, I, I much prefer the stuff with um, Jon Snow and the, yeah. the, the Lannisters and yeah. all that kind of stuff. This is means nothing to you. Sorry, Ramrod and, and Dave. Yeah, but, you know, the... the uh, Ramsey Bolton is the mm. biggest fucker in the you know yeah. with all bloody yeah. um, 
Uh, he was that other twat. He was the king for a while. Um, Joffrey. Joffrey was a bastard, but fuck yeah. me. Uh, you know, the, 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 I was having this chat with somebody at work about it in as much as the, the whole thing about Game of Thrones was the shocking sort of like death of mm. prominent characters that you thought yeah. were, were going to be in it. I'm not sure where I f- how I feel about whether now they've brought Jon Snow back because it almost cheapens it a little bit, I think, because mm-hmm. it kind of, you feel, well, that's that was the whole thing. And, you know, now they, they've done it for one character. Well, it's almost lost its, um, you know, mystique a little bit because that was the whole thing, wasn't it? You know, they kill off fucking whole families of characters mm. that you thought were going to be like, you know, the, the saviors and all this. And yeah. I don't know how I feel about that now. It almost feels a little bit more mainstream than it was before. And I'm also sort of like the whole stuff with Bran. Uh, it's almost like he, we were talking about this on the other show. They've made him perhaps a little bit too powerful now he's like almost like uh, um they described him as um, dr manhattan from watchmen because he can now <laughs> jump in and out yeah. in and out of time and things that have happened before he was born and to other characters he can go back and perhaps change the course of history or we're not sure i, I don't know you, we're going to find out obviously when it, that, that well that's just the theory that's been online isn't it yeah. It's like Jon Snow be, being be coming back to life is to do with him being Daenerys' t- nephew. Yeah. Because her brother is supposed, it's Rhaegar, isn't it? It's supposed to be his dad. Yeah. And then um, thing it, Sean Bean's sister is his mum. But that, you know, I think they just need a shock ending. And they never had any intention of not bringing him back to life because Jon Snow is is the major character in it. He's the one we all want to win, don't we? Yeah, uh, it's building up to a big smackdown between him and Ramsay, and I and I can't mm-hmm. wait for that. And I'm glad yeah. now that uh, Theon's back in it. I really I, mm-hmm. the, the thing with Game of Thrones is as well that you go on such a ride with the characters that you fucking yeah. hate them. You absolutely <laughs> despise yeah. them. I despised Cersei for a long time, and then you actually end up feeling sorry for her, mm-hmm. and you you start to realise a little bit about her background and and. Uh, you know, it does that, and it's so it it is great. It's it's probably the best thing on TV, if I'm honest with you. There's so much to admire about it. Um, it it's it's fantastic. Well, I haven't watched the most recent episode yet, so oh, haven't you? I'll probably no. do that after after. <clears throat> well, that that particular episode that I referenced there, where I said, "Hold the door, hold the door." Everybody who's a Game of Thrones fan will know exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. And I have to admit that. Game of Thrones, like The Walking Dead, has the capacity to make their audience go, oh, my fucking God. And that particular episode five, the very end of it, with the hold the door bit, just made me like I wanted to I wanted to look at somebody and go, oh, my God, oh, my God, hold the door, hold the door. And there was nobody here for me to say it. It was not Wesley watches it. It. It's the sort of thing that you share with your friends. And did you see it? Did you? Oh, wasn't it? Oh my God, it was awful, wasn't it? You know, and it was it was quite moving as well, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And it sort of makes you think as well because I I read that um the the guy who wrote it, but it's his name J R Martin, hey G R Martin, the Martin, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, him. That he actually, that was the only bit of the of this series that he wrote was about that character. That, okay. That all along through all the books, because he was in the first book, that character, that he had that planned all the way through. You know, you <laughs> think this is like series six. I, it's just mind-boggling, but, isn't it? Yeah, but that was that was quality, you know, yeah. really good. Big really up good. to Game of Thrones. Huh? So, sorry, totally. Dave and Ramrod. <laughs> no, I, I've watched it. I, I, you know, I've watched all the series. I love it, and I've just, I'm just halfway through episode one of this new series. So I've only got three episodes so far to watch. So, and it's the same with Daredevil. I watched all the series one, and I really liked it. I loved the grit and the violence. It was like the the Dark Knight in the Marvel universe. But now seeing John Brenthon coming in as Punisher. And we all know how much I love the character of Frank Castle. I thought Frank Grillo would have been a perfect Punisher, but I've seen you see like two minutes of him in the first episode. It's a real build up to him. No spoilers there. But as soon as you see his face, you go ooh ooh ooh. <laughs> it's Shane as the Punisher. I I just know he's going to nail it down. Um, I'm going to eat them all up now. When I get the fucking time to sit down and watch TV shows again, yeah. I've got to fucking mop floors and cut grass now. Yeah. Have, have you seen Kingdom? Because he's in that, isn't he? And that's based on um, MMA stuff, I think. From yeah, that's the one with um, the Jonas brother. I think it's Nick Jonas is the, the, the lead in that, isn't he? Um, but no, I haven't. It's I've never seen it anywhere to watch Kingdom, and I would love to watch it because he is an MMA trainer in that, isn't he? And, yeah, yeah. But he's got the new one, Purge, Purge, whatever it's called, coming out, Purge 3, Purge Memorial Day, whatever it's called. But, yeah, he's, and, of course, he's in Civil Isn't it Purge Election? Purge yeah, Election Day or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah but he, he's essentially the Punisher in Purge Anarchy. He just hasn't got the fucking top on. Don't start me on Purge Anarchy <laughs> <laughs> no. for fucking hours, well, bro. That's it. We'll Move never, on. We'll never end. The only, no, thing we, the only thing we haven't touched on yet is video games and Chris. You're you're our video games expert. Is there anything you want to bring up? Um, I suppose the the biggest thing that, that's happened since we last recorded is Uncharted Four has has finally come out, and um, what what can you say? A fucking roller coaster of a game. I mean, you've recently got PS4. I'd highly recommend you get this Ramrod or borrow it from Dave. It's it's stunning. I think on. Almost every level, you know, it, it's uh, graphically probably the best looking game I've ever seen. Um, it, it's just incredible. There's there's some screenshots going around of Nathan Drake, some stills, because there's a photo mode in it where you can just pause the game and pan the camera around from any angle, wherever you want, and just take a snapshot of, of images from the game. And a lot of people have spent time just dicking around with that because it's so gorgeous to look at um the picture of nathan drake um and there's lighting in the background and that you can actually see the veins in his ears that, that you know and, and the, the light is it's coming through his ears it's like translucent it's just mm. fucking stunning that the actual level of depth and and detail that the, the naughty dog have gone to um there's some of the fantastic storytelling uh you know just a proper grounded story because the entire games have always had sort of you know quite uh stories which are fantastical you know and and they're known for the set pieces this has got all of that but it feels a little bit more grounded um you know 
it's it's absolutely fantastic it's it's not perfect there are bits in it which aren't great you know and people can have criticized the the the, the sort of action shooting elements of it um i have don't have major problems with that to be honest with you i think it's fine um it's not the game's strongest point the game's strongest point i think naughty dog are now leaders in the field for this are the performance and the acting and the story uh the last of us being their pre last game before this was a, a stunner you know with fantastic story and characters uh that you actually cared for and you gave a shit about and um yeah f- phenomenal for me it's just a absolutely incredible looking game I, I i played it up to about level 13 just being blown away by it, you know in, in places didn't play it for a week went back to it and then was immediately wowed by it again just absolutely stunning levels of detail you, you know you, you almost there's timers in the game and it'll like you know collect all your statistics and there's a statistic about how long you stood still and so like people would just literally stand and watch what's going on there's one scene in it where you go to a market and then there's a set piece after that and it's literally I, I tweeted just after I'd finished that saying I think I've just played one of the most incredible scenes in a game it, just for pure adrenaline uh, it's 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 my favourite Uncharted game uh, hands down I think you know Uncharted 2 was probably the benchmark up until this point and I can still see why but, yeah, because that you know th- this game does that uh, but perfects it you know makes it even better than it, it was so I can see why people still love Uncharted 2 but Uncharted 4 is wow just awesome Absolutely stunning. Yeah, I mean, I've completed it too, and I know on the on the latest um, the same coin you were talking about. I listened to that. To, <coughs> excuse me, I listened to that today, and you even mentioning things like you know, there's there's this scene when two people. I'm not going to say. I'm trying to give as as least spoilers away as possible. But they, there's two characters that kiss. I, I I can't remember which one of you was saying. Even his nose squashes when they kiss. You know, they went into that much detail with the stuff that's happening. Totally agree with you with Naughty Dog. As far as I mean, graphically, it's it's the pinnacle at the moment as far as console gaming yeah. goes. But by a country mile, uh, there's there's nothing that has beaten it. And again, I with the, the same as you, I found myself standing there and just like taking it in you'd you'd see stuff off in the distance and just you know the the vistas that just surrounded you went oh my god this is like incredible you were they naughty dog have the ability to put you in the world that they've created you're not sat in front of a television controlling it with your thumbs you do find yourself you're in that world um so yeah graphically story wise again i think they're unbeatable there was a couple of points in it one especially when i was like holy fuck i didn't expect that and i had to i had to pause the game for a second just to like get my breath back and go whoa that's take me to a place that i you know i wasn't expecting um but having said that and i think i i know i'm going to piss off a lot of people i didn't enjoy playing it Ooh. The, the actual gameplay and tina you'll you can mm. back me up on this how many times was i going for <sighs> fucking hell i'm like bored you kept saying, i'm swinging i'm swinging i'm swinging again. i'm Clap. climbing oh i, I said you what i said you watch i bet in two minutes i'm gonna i'm either gonna slide down some shale or mud and i'm gonna ha- <laughs> i'm either gonna have to jump or swing at the end of it and then do some more climbing and then i'll do some shooting and sure enough that's what happened and because of the repetitiveness of it, I was like, oh, I'm going to do some more climbing. Here we go, more climbing. I'm going to swing and swing. And I bet I'm going to slip. Oh, look, I'm slipping. I've got to jump and swing. Oh, no, here's the shooting. But I know here's a puzzle to break it up. 
the actual gameplay of it i really did not enjoy mm. but having said that to play devil's advocate with myself i've completed ratchet and clank twice now wow the, the latest one on ps4 so I completed on story it's not a long game fair enough so i completed it then i completed it again on challenge mode and i'm like i'm partway through the third playthrough of it and so okay like i said devil's advocate you people could be going well ratchet and clank you know you're swinging you're jumping you're shooting there's a lot of the same gameplay elements but the difference is I really enjoy playing Ratchet and Clank. I found Uncharted 4 a chore to play. The only reason I completed it is because, and it's testament to Naughty Dog, that not only was I I totally entranced with the game world, the story, it was the story that drove me on. I wanted to know. I didn't want to watch it on YouTube. I wanted to experience it for myself uh, and, and find out how the story finished. And I'm glad I did. But I think it's something about Naughty Dog games because I played Uncharted 1, 2 and 3, didn't complete them, gave up on all three of them because I did I wasn't enjoying it. And I, I did, again, graphically, story-wise, was you know having a good time with it, but those didn't engage me to the point where I wanted to find out how the story ended. Uh, the Last of Us, another example of just the same. Now, I did complete that, but that's another game where all the way through... I just wasn't having a good time playing it. As good mm. as it looked, as great as the story was, it was just the actual mechanics of what I was doing. And I think that the main thing is the word enjoy. I wasn't enjoying it. And for me, I want to enjoy a video game. You know, it's as you get older, you don't have as much time to play games. And personally, I, I want to you know have a good time and go, yeah, I, w- I want to look forward to the next session on it. I think, oh, I've got to finish now, but... I can get back on it, you know, in about three or four days' time and look forward to that. I was looking forward to finding out how the story was going to progress, and I was looking forward to finding out, you know, what environment they were going to put me in. But the thought of having to jump again and climb again and swing again, and I mean, the shooting element, I mean, again, going back to the same coin, you were talking about, you know, the shooting part of it. Didn't that didn't really bother me, you know, the actual mechanics of that. It was everything else. I just got so bored with it and didn't enjoy it so i can i can see why people would give it the game of the year and i'm fully behind people that go on it yeah it's brilliant and it is brilliant but you know each to their own i think you're either you're either going to get like balls deep with it all and, and all in with it or like me you're going to pick different bits of it but be pissed off with for me the gameplay part of it um, yeah so i can see i can see both sides but for me personally and going back to like the uncharted one two and three and the last of us i think there's something about naughty dog games that just doesn't click with me on a gameplay element mm. i think um did said it that the the graphics and the story hide a lot of the technical not technical gameplay um issues you know and you do do you know the, the climbing isn't isn't challenging at all you just literally pre- Know, pressing the button to climb uh but it's the spectacle isn't it it's the set pieces yeah, that keep yeah, you going yeah um and i, I i'm kind of i'm I, i'm glad that this is now i'm hopefully that this will be their last uncharted game mm-hmm. uh, and they can do something different now um you know it, so I, I, I i totally understand where, and you're not the only person that said that that you know it's like oh fucking hell here we go and i'm doing the sliding thing again you know and it's it, you do do a lot of things a lot of the time um so it's yeah it, but it, I can see where you're coming from. It's um, it's not my favourite game of the year. I mean, I think it, it's a close contender with Ratchet and Clank so far. I mean, that was just a fucking oh, joy yeah. to play. Oh, for you me, know. yeah, Ratchet and Clank is by far 
you know, it's my favourite game for yeah. that, yeah. Uh, to, you know, to complete it twice, it's like oh, test, yeah, testament that, to a lot anyway. Well, that was it. And I said the same. It's like, you know, I immediately wanted to play it again as soon as I finished it. I've not felt that with Uncharted. Um, but it's still the best of the bunch from, from my point of view. But. Yeah. So, yeah, Uncharted 4 is being traded in this weekend, ready for Carmageddon max damage in wow. six weeks' time, which I'm really looking forward <laughs> you, to. You said you were going to buy me Lego... Star Wars. No, I I bought you the the Fallout Four DLC. Remember? Ah, did as well. There you go. Far Harbor. Yeah. yeah. Which is really good, and we've downloaded Blood and Wine as well. Ooh. But I I I'm just incapable of being able to play one game and play another game and then go back to that one because I just can't remember what buttons do. You know, I'm trying to like chop people's heads off and cast spells on them in Fallout, yeah. which isn't right. But, I need uh, to go back to The Witcher. I just just um, I still haven't played um, Hearts of Stone. So, haven't but, you? Oh, I no. completed that. Yeah. yeah, I love Witcher. I, I, lo- I really like Fallout a lot, but I like Witcher more. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm. But I quite fancy playing that game that you've just been talking about because it looks so gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, you sat there quite a bit, didn't you? And you were yeah, going, oh, that watched, looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but you're selling it and you're a bastard. Yeah, that's it. It's going, <laughs> it's going now. Yeah. <laughs> So have we? I know time's ticking on. Have we got any? I think this is the last section, sort of video games. Have we got any more video games that we want to cover? Mm, that's about it, really. I think for me, that was the biggest, yeah. biggest game of the month. Ramrod? No, I've not played a goddamn thing. I've got. You've got FIFA 16, haven't you? Mate, I played a FIFA 16 tournament on fucking I Sunday just did. gone, and I fucking got knocked out again in the fucking group stage. Piece of shit. They drew the teams while I wasn't there, <laughs> and I ended up with Napoli out of fucking the cream of Europe. So straight away, I was at a disadvantage, wasn't I? But um, I just got knocked out. These lads play it for fucking, you know, every two seconds of their life. And I, I, you know, when I listen to you talk about video games, I think, where did you get the fucking time? I just don't have the the time to sit down and play games. While you're there having your tattoo and going to the pub afterwards, we're playing a video game, you see? This is where it fits in. Oh, that's it. I'm out living me life. Ah, (laughs) you see? You can't have it both ways. It's either or. Yeah, it's no, one I've, or the other. I've, I want to get Doom. Why is nobody talking about Doom? Yeah, I've heard really good things. I'm really tempted by that. I want yeah. an old school shoot. I want to put it in. I want to run around. I want to blow things away. And I don't want to build up my fucking XP. I just want a big gun and I want to shoot things. I want Doom. Nobody's played Doom, have they? Mm. No. Yeah. I think I'll, I'll probably endeavour to get a copy of Doom. Um, speaking of Uncharted, we did pick up the Uncharted collection. Um, Zoe's got it, so we're going to get into that. Um, that's Uncharted 2 is the best place to start, is it? Or do we need to start with this one? Uh, it's uh, Well, from my point of view, I, I went, I've started from the first. I played 1 and 2 again. Um, yeah. Didn't go back to 3 because I, I didn't really have time. But it, it, just to get to know the characters, I guess, because if you play 2... And you miss out one, you're not going to necessarily sort of pick up on the, you know, the the nuances with the different characters because it introduces okay. more ones, more characters and stuff. But yeah, it's probably just worth. St- it's not a bad game, Uncharted One. I think it's uh, people say oh, it's aged badly. I don't think it has particularly, but um, two, you'll see the difference. It's worth just what playing it just to see how far the games come on. You know. Yeah. 
That's way for luck. But other than that, no, I've not had chat. I just played a bit of FIFA. I got knocked out and I got drunk instead, so it was all good. <laughs> <laughs> right then, with that, let's tie a bow on this one, on episode 50. Um, and let's let's give the people the way that they can follow us then. So, Chris, the people that want to pick up on sort of fingering techniques and squirtage, how can they follow you? <laughs> and if you, want, if you want a bottle inserted in your asshole, then... Um... Jesus. Do you only do it to men, though? Would you do it to a lady? Only to close friends, usually. I'm not, that, you know. Me? Would you do it to men then? <laughs> you have to, see, you have to see how it went. I'm not committing. How what went? The, how the ball went, or what kind of mood you were in? If I'd got enough lube. Yeah. Well, when he, ne- when he next comes over, start making beans on toast. See what happens. Oh, don't you? No, no, you've got to refuse to. Oh, refuse to. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. actually, yeah, yeah. And I don't use lube. Fucking hell, there's no lube. Oh, he <laughs> up his ass without spitting on it first. Dry, dry. That's cruel, that He's is. He's got to seal it. Fucking yeah. hell. That's the Midlands oh. way. <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> how, how can they follow you for all tips on that, mate? Okay, so I'm at Dastardly Jabby on Twitter. Excellent. Ramrod, for especially over the next month with Wales being in the Euros, how can they follow either either your celebrations or your just drowned cries of despair? How can they follow you? You can come and have a look at my my rantings on Ramrod's underscore purge. And Tina, how can people buy boob pics for you at 50p a time online? <laughs> they're two pound fifty. Actually, you've put the price up. Jesus Christ! No wonder well, your Twitter followers have gone down. They're though. rather large. I am an F cup. Um, <laughs> you you can follow me at Spanky with two E's instead of a Y. Spangler. And of course, you can follow the podcast at Sixty Minutes with, as is the same on Facebook uh, and Instagram. And is the website 60minuteswith.co.uk. Email is contact at 60minuteswith.co.uk. Oh, before, you, before you go, I have to tell Chris and, and David something just before we go that probably the audience would find quite in, interesting as well. Over the last few weeks, we've been getting some very horrible, abusive emails <laughs> of people in America. Yes. Really? We have yes. quite a few, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A couple of um, because they think that we are the news show 60 Minutes. <laughs> so we've Whoa. had a complaint about taking the piss out of a nun who died. And then the other day we had, uh, we've had we had a couple about different things, normally about news items that they've done. And we had a very sweary one this week off a lady who said that... Um, who I can't remember her name, but some news anchor was interviewing somebody and she was really fucking rude. So if anybody out there works for 60 Minutes, can you just change the name of your show, please? Yeah, ripping us off, well, you bastards. Yeah, you bastards. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, twat, eh? Yeah. When Donald Trump's president. Yeah. yeah. We're all fucking doomed. Yeah, we're all <laughs> yeah. doomed, yeah. Uh, fuck. Uh, and with that, let, let's say goodbye from uh, the podcast. Oh, well, that well is, done, is, Dave, that... on, on 50 episodes. Mm. Mm, 50, we've mm. got 50, yeah. We've got a lot more planned, haven't we? In oh. fact, you're recording the next Spotlight show very soon. Yes, we are. Mm. Excited for that Did one. Did you watch it, Tina? Yes! I watched it with her as well. Ooh. 
Yeah, just to make sure she, you know, she sat all the way through it and she chat all the way through it as well. So just, you know, I was making sure for you and she did. Good, looking forward to it. Yeah, be good. <laughs> and like we say, we've got interview shows and more entertainment and lots and lots of everything that you've come to expect. So if, if you have stuck with us for the full 50, thank you. If you're a new listener, thank you. Uh, spread yeah. the word and we've got a lot more to talk about. And with that, let's bugger off. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to bed. Yeah, let's all say goodbye. Let's all say goodbye. So it's 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 bye from me and and bye from all of you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.